Welcome to episode 14-2 of the Tech TV Podcast. That episode where we are all hopped up on Halloween candy. I am Robert Desert Eagle Allen. Got my god robe on, so let's take an inventory of everyone else's costumes. Jeremy, Lawman Lamont, what are you wearing? Good evening. I want to drink your pumpkin spice latte. <laughs> Which I heard has actually no pumpkin in it. Uh, well, it's synthetic pumpkin, totally <laughs> oh, GMO. No, no, that doesn't yeah. qualify. <laughs> yeah. Yuck. Uh, Eric Blue Swim, what are you wearing? I am dressed as Kilo Khan from Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad. Awesome. And I'm voiced by Tim Curry. Is, <laughs> is that the one where it's a, he's a giant beetle, or is that something else? This, was, this one was where they are fighting in cyberspace against virtual computer virus monster kaiju type things. Of course. Yeah. Oh. It's actually, it's, I think it's on Hulu, but uh, I got it on DVD for like four bucks or something like that, and it is delightfully 90s. And by that, you, I mean it's awful, but it's good. You <laughs> showed that free streaming service with your $4 DVD blue. You go. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> Stick it to the man. And speaking of sticking it to the man, we have Sage. Samurage Morris Green, who is wearing... Okay, but don't make fun of me, because um, I have a test the day after Halloween. So the easiest thing that I could do with myself is uh, I got a really nice dress at a thrift store, and I sewed it into, like, a burlesque, but but tasteful, not, like, overly revealing uh, burlesque outfit. Okay. So you're... So you're going as sexy sage. This I oh. <laughs> I will maybe rock the hawk, but I will definitely be rocking the like bright teal. That sounds bad. Not bright teal. Whatever. It's beautiful and so, it's burlesque and it's fancy. It's teal. You know what you should do like Miku teal. I was thinking close the same thing. to Miku teal. A little less cartoony, like the less cartoony version of. I know. I hate to disappoint hate you, Robert, but it's <laughs> hate it already. <laughs> You know what? I'll there go with Lolly next year. I, right. Next year I'll there go with Lolly. Okay. You should go as uh, sexy Walter White. <laughs> <laughs> That's not that says possible. a lot about you, Jeremy. It's not yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. I just want to see uh, like an attractive bald woman. You know. Peddling meth. What is like there a, a reason that's a thing this year? Sexy fill in the blank. Like why is that? It's suddenly... a thing every year. It's just that now everyone is sick of it, so we're all making fun of it. I thought people was I ahead of the trend. I thought people had been sick of it for like ten years or something. Yeah, people are like, just now sick of it. I, I mean, I remember a thing years ago on the Onion, like sexy ketchup bottle and stuff. That, you know, <laughs> it's like what? I mean, sport, I, you sport. know, I do appreciate a, a, a ketchup bottle with some sexy lady legs, but it, you know. If you go as, like, sexy pickle, then there's, like, a meta innuendo there, right? Because you're making fun of not being sexy by being a pickle, but then you're a phallic shape, so inherently you're kind of sexy, so it's, like, meta-sexy, right? Sexy pickle was my nickname in high school. (laughs) No, it was not. I hope you got some lotion for that, Uh, German. (laughs) Oh. Hey, anyway, let, let's kick things barrel. off. How do we move? How do we transition from sexy pickle? Uh, let's uh, move to <laughs> impressions. We're going to stick it to some impressions. Yes. I guess I'll kick things off. So th- this weekend, I was all set to purchase Bayonetta 2. So I headed down yes. to GameStop asking for one of the two dozen or so copies they had tucked behind the register. And they told me that those were all pre-orders. <laughs> and that Uh-oh. they could what? ship one to my house. So I still had $60 in hand. And I asked the clerk to reach over and grab the game from the much smaller stack next to it. 
And so I leave the store with Pokemon Art Academy. <laughs> uh, all right. Is that a close second? Oh, oh yeah. that is yeah. swerve. That's like that a sexy pickle. So yeah, yeah, that is the sexy pickle. <laughs> and that's I our mean, title. Uh, so those two games, uh, Nintendo's ruling the holiday this season. Maybe, or at least yeah. my holidays. Um, so I've always liked the concept of the Art Academy games. Instead of spending, say, hours on raids hoping to get a particular item, I, th- I think one of the things that attracts me to it is you're spending hours theoretically improving a skill, like your drawing skill. So in theory, you know, the, the develop developing a practical skill is kind of cool, especially if there's an opening for someone who can draw a really derpy-looking char lizard. Probably not happening soon. But anyway, one of the things, uh, the painting, uh, painting of still life's, was cool, but drawing Pikachu is probably about 30 times cooler. So um, not quite cool was the GameStop tax with the retailer adding an additional $2 on the MSRP. So learn from me, oh, buy it elsewhere. That. Yeah, the po- Poke tax. So what's great about the title is the incorporation of a game-like structure. So you gradually unlock tools. Uh, you're given a tutorial for each one. And then additional Pokemon. So there's about 40 different I guess commissions, you'd say, uh, or works that you have to accomplish. It's got the lighthearted, you know, music and kind of background locations, which kind of, you know, work to mask the uh, edutainment elements pretty well. On the upside, um, there's all the visual tools that uh, artists would need. You know, you can zoom, you can outline coloring abilities. There's kind of layers and things like that. Uh, There's lessons and things like depth and lighting. So it's, you know, art school on a 29 or in my case, $31, $99 budget. On the downside, the app doesn't try to... um, doesn't try to evaluate the quality of your artistic effort. So, so what you're saying is you suck. No, actually, I feel <laughs> good because there is an in-game character who shows you her stuff, and it is super ugly. It looks like a Yay. two-year-old did it. That and is so yours tactic. is always going to be better than hers. <laughs> you're all that, is, that is genius design. Yeah, that is. That, that is. is. That's well Nintendo done. being Nintendo at their best. So uh, right now I'm about ten drawings in, and I can say that I'm enjoying the Trank relaxing process and I don't mind there's a little bit of nagging uh, you know help screens anymore um, but uh, Ken uh, Shugimori's job is pretty safe I can say so uh, that's uh, Pokemon Art Academy so you know I, you know what I recommend you do is to like really class it up and just take classic uh, works of art like right. like American Gothic and just right. put like Pikachu's face where the farmer would be or something yeah yeah I, I you do should that. do that I so I that's what I say you should do yeah Okay, so classic Good. arts done with Pokemon. Share, hey, so is there a way to share your art? from There that? is. You can save SD. an SD card. SD card, yeah, you can save that and then just put it near your computer and upload. So you have to, so, you know, that then is I, one Then I'm going to bomb your email with different uh, different derpy words there. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, for, send me prepare. derpy Charmander, I want yes. it. Yes. See, what, what I think they're going to Naked do Snorlax do. coming up. Oh, classic God. Wait, isn't he already naked? Yeah, they probably all, I don't think uh, too many of them actually wear clothes. So send me Snorlax in like a little pink dress then. Okay, we'll do. Sexy so, Snorlax. So, co- yeah, coming up next, Fluster Cluck. You guys heard about that one? Yeah, have, tell uh, me about I, that. Uh, with so, a phrase that sounds like it. Yeah, if you think the idea of titling a game Fluster Cluck is funny, or if you think that a game where a UFO uses a tractor beam to transport animals like horses, cows, camels into a device which transforms them into poultry, if you think that's creative, then this might be the game for you. Probably not the game for me at all. So, let me cl- let me get some yes. clarification. So you're saying that you take other kinds of livestock yes. and you drop animals. them on a pad and they turn into chickens. And, and what do you do with all the chickens? chickens? Well, the chickens are points, and you can also take your beaten foes and take them to the pad. 
and convert them into chickens. And you get multiple <laughs> chickens for that. So That's I, it. this is not a game for me. Um, if, if you think, if any of you guys think it's, uh, these things are fun, um, you, you may try it. I thought there was pretty, it was pretty uninteresting. Uh, I'd probably recommend most people steer clear of this PS4 calamity and use their $15 or I'd say $8 and change for PS Plus subscribers to pick up a bucket from the kernel. Wait, does KFC <laughs> still use those big paper buckets? Or have I dated myself? I think I think Blue? instead of buckets, they it. now encase the entire meal in meat and you take it home. Oh, meat inside meat. Like that chicken like sandwich that's where the chicken the patties are the buns. Exactly. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think they still yeah. use the buckets. Really? I I've been to KFC in, a, in, in a, about a half decade. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I haven't bought a bucket at KFC in <laughs> at least I two can't weeks. Tell <laughs> <laughs> it's been 13 days, and I'm going through withdrawal. Uh, anyway, so so beyond moving animals to these different points, you have the ability to fire in different directions, and what you do is take down three AI or local opponents. And yeah, you heard right; there's no online play. Sadly, the, the maps are really simple; they're not well suited for combat. One of the main problems that I found is a lot of them have different changes in the elevation, so that really makes hitting your opponent far more difficult than it should be and you can't really tell uh when you hit them um only by smoke coming from your ufo uh it seems the developers at loot they knew about this and they uh put in an option for backward auto fire which basically means fluster collect is choplifter pushed into a superfluous third dimension uh while removing the you know the one fun the offensive element so not a lot of fun uh i haven't rounded up three volunteers to play multiplayer because honestly I'm a little reluctant to ask people uh, given the lack of quality but I did <laughs> play through a majority of the single player campaign uh, and suffered through that so not Uh-oh. a big fan of fluster cluck you know Robert so, there's like, four it was like of us fuck. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know I really want to say that and it almost slipped out Almost slipped out. <laughs> oh, gross. Really? Oh. It almost slipped out? That's just like put it in, but in reverse. <laughs> Sage, you, why were you first? You weren't <laughs> supposed to be first. You know, when you go one. first, when you do it first, it, it just breaks continuity there. Is that, we call that breaking the seal. And yeah. now... Oh, oh, Jeremy. There we go. no. Jeremy with his back end reference. Always. <laughs> Bring, bringing up the rear is Jeremy. I just slipped right um, in. So, so the next one is something... <laughs> yeah, you, you may know about Sage, a game that we played at E3 at length. I think we played for about an hour. And it was probably one of the best hours at E3 outside of lunch, outside of the sushi trucks. Uh, I'm talking about Middle Earth, Shadow of Mordor. Yeah. So um, one of my favorite games of the sixth console generation was this little, well, maybe not so little, LucasArts published title called Mercenaries. And their uh, players were tasked with capturing or, or killing kind of a, a rogues gallery of villains inspired by the real-life deck of cards produced by the uh, U.S. government for... Operation Iraqi Freedom, or, you know, depending on your politics, the invasion of Iraq. But the fun really didn't stem from the premise, but more from, from the autonomy and, and just the, the, the big arsenal mercenaries gave you. Um, basically, they gave you everything from rocket launchers, sniper ri- rifles, explosive tanks, helicopters. They just threw that out at you. You could go, you could command that, just just have fun with it in trying to take down the, these 52. Now, naturally, Middle-Earth, um, it lacks the high-tech weaponry, uh, but you do have a lot of, I guess, magical things. You have this elf bow, which effectively slows down time. Uh, you may not have vehicles, but you have mounts to get along quickly, and you have the ability to scale most anything, almost uh, Assassin's Creed style. 
Uh, you also, of course, have stealth, uh, so you can skulk around there. You can grab orcs. You can peer into their mind and grab intel uh, and plot your takedown of Sauron's uh, command there. I played the PC version, uh, PS4 version. I'm about uh, the same area on both, and uh, I'm really digging the game. Uh, it's probably in my top, top five, maybe top three PS4 titles. And, you know, for me, it's kind of perfect for just picking up, making a little progress each night before heading to bed for kind of the, the next workday. A lot of fun. There, there's really so much to do, and the way you can kind of attack enemies in different ways and and uh, overcome obstacles is really fun. And, and also, my, my next uh, thing that I'm going to talk about, Jeremy Style, rattle through these, it's that time of year you guys know uh for my skylanders binge and uh not only have i gone back to trap team but uh picked up swap force for the xbox one uh as well even though i already had that on um wii u so uh one of the first things i learned by picking up on um on xbox is you can't plug in more than one porthole at the same time uh even if they're different versions like the trap and swap portals so uh secondly i learned that the xbox 360 portal is different from the ps all of the others yes yes and which drives me crazy uh i i think the ps4 one works on the on the wii u but i i haven't found a designator on there so what happens is it actually lights up when you when it's plugged into the wrong console so i need to put a little bit of scotch tape and mark each one so so that you can recognize which one's which yeah so i don't go stark skylander mad um much like Mordor's, uh, Skylanders is kind of that perfect end-of-the-day game for me, uh, with one stage giving about kind of just the, the proper half hour, 40 minutes uh, to scratch that itch, without you know demanding too much from players. Uh, what I like about Trap Team is we've been playing a lot of the tower defense minigame, which feels a lot like Dungeon Defenders, a game I've liked a lot, and uh, it's kind of a good way to level up any newly acquired figures. Uh, you can bring in your many of your old ones level them up pretty quickly and one thing i wanted to add is that both uh, swap force and trap team they look absolutely great on next gen and if i was a kid i'd be skylander so skylander obsessed right now uh and as an adult i'm not that far off from there <laughs> so not 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 too much of a change speaking of childhood and i'll throw this this one extra uh one in there because i haven't a lot of, had a lot of time to ro- work on the review but i've been watching love live uh school idol project which is one of the recent anime releases from nis america so um i did not expect to like it too much uh between the high school setting and the kind of the emphasis on idols which i know wait, wait, i know wait, so, you, weren't, you weren't you weren't expecting to yes like it? i know it sounds weird coming from me but i i just i don't know i i didn't expect too much from it. I thought it'd be a little cliched. And I think the premise is, uh, but the first episode really hooked me. It, it opened with this kind of really charming song. Then it jumps back to introduce its cast. And, you know, they face their dilemma. The school's closing uh, due to a lack of enrollment. And then they go on this recon mission to another school, which um, which reveals that their student population is rising due to the emergence of, of a singing idols. So, of course, the cast, they decide to revive their school by starting their own club. Unfortunately, they're altruistic intentions are met with, you know, the usual bureaucratic nonsense. And like I said, I know this sounds kind of cliched, but in execution, it just oozes kind of warmth and and charm. And you can't uh, help but cheer for Honaka and her friends. Um, They're in the band. Their pop idol band is called Muse, uh, the Greek letter. So, Jeremy, I'm sorry for mentioning anime, but I think there's a few listeners and readers who might uh, share my interests. So bless your souls, guys. Grumble, grumble. Can can, can I start talking about anime, too? then can we yes. all talk about yes. anime? i've got some anime to talk about i watched anime Uh-oh. what no, you did not bullshit Holy I'm we'll talk about it at the end 
we'll we'll put it at the end of the show for those who really want to know. You you played Pokemon Art Academy. I watched an actual legit anime. Well, tell us now because yeah, we're talking yeah. about anime. Dino suspense here. Uh, well, I watched uh, I watched an anime called Noragami. Oh yeah, me yeah. too. Yes. Did you? You watched that? So I watched. I watched it all the, the way whole through. season. I love all of it. Yep, it was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> Yay! I I did not. I, Damn I it! praise. I no, I only got to two eye rolls. Uh, if you remember from last time, my rule is three eye rolls, and you're out. So uh, I think the last the last one to fall to that uh, to that policy was uh, Sword Art Online. I got to the second season of that, and it uh, it bit the dust pretty quick. Um, but Noragami's pretty good. What do you it, eye roll at, Jeremy? What, what causes the Lamont eye roll? Well, uh, so there is uh, the main the main character in this is a girl who has a cattail. Uh, no ears, cat-tail. so no ears, no ears. So that is that's a reason for an eye roll. It's a reason for an eye roll. Yeah, uh, it's not, get out of here. Jeremy. It's not actually a tail. It's not a it tail. It's her spirit her connection body. between the body and the spirit world. Yeah, just they happens to look they like explicitly, a tail. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and then and then whenever there's like gratuitous Dang. like bathtub scenes where she just happens to be holding her arms in front of the you know strategic places, uh, those, that's, that's an also worth an eye roll. But yes. you do but get the so fan you, service or eye roll. But yeah, some of that. I mean, that's like intentional fan right. service, and sometimes it's parroting the whole right. the whole fact that that is something that happens in typical yeah. anime. Yeah. So that's anyway, uh, <laughs> so Noragami is is pretty good. It uh, the characters are. Pretty interesting. I like the um, uh, the, the premise where uh, what's what's the dude's name? Sage, help me out here. What's the main guy? Not Shizuku, right? No, 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 no. no. Uh, anyway, Haru. his name is Haru. Uh, I don't. I no, don't think that's no, right. Not. But but anyway, so he he's a minor god, a, a god Yato. of calamity. Yato, that's right. He that's is he's the uh, Yato Kami. He's he's a uh, a, cal- a god of cal- former god of calamity who uh, would basically wipe people out in battle or uh, grant evil wishes to kill people and remove people. And he now is reduced in modern Japan to doing like courier service work. And he's basically a nobody now. And you know, of course, gods get their power from worshippers, and he's trying to kind of build up a uh, kind of a following by doing just menial tasks and things. And I I found that very charming about the character. I mean, I you know, even though he. Uh, is still kind of a, a typical kind of anime main character guy. Uh, he is kind of endearing in in the way that he is always very determined. Like he scrubs toilets and stuff, you know. And he's got a toothbrush and he's always very dedicated. He's like, I've got to do a really good job. And and he only ever wants five yen because I guess there's probably some significance to people, you know, that, giving five yen at that's shrine. That's the amount you give at a shrine, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he's still so very then, powerful. He's not. He's not like impotent. He's just well. Very- he's he's latent. Uh, so he also so. It, in this in this world where these uh, gods are, are here in Japan, there also are these sort of spirits they they call them, which are just malevolent inhuman things from another plane. And of course, uh, he and presumably other gods I don't know are uh, tasked with uh, fighting and banishing these these phantoms from the plane the 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 human plane of existence, which of course none of the humans can see. But uh, but this uh, this girl with the cat tail, she of course is somehow trapped between or or she sort of passes between the spirit realm and the human realm and. That's what the cattail thing is all about, and and anyway, as the as the show unfolds, you sort of find out more about his past and the people that he had associated with, and other uh, other of these gods, major and minor, in the pantheon, and uh, they they you know sort of help him to to develop and to become something more than the loser that he starts out as, and and to sort of take responsibility for himself and and for his uh, you know the the uh, the idea is that these gods fight with these. Um, 
regalia they call them which are basically just other spirits that turn into swords and things and uh so it's kind of a obviously it's a relationship story between yato and his little uh you know group of friends and kind of where they came from and that sort of thing and it turned out pretty good by the end uh so uh, i you know like i said i ended up uh, really enjoying it and then i moved along to something else that i'm not enjoying so much but that's probably a story for another time is it uh-huh. what are you not enjoying uh i don't know i'm just kind of picking random things in fact actually i decided that i would go back to some good old american anime so i've been watching the legend of korra season four it- which <laughs> Which I guess is technically probably Korean anime with uh, American directors. So. Um, well, you might like the other ones that I watched because I, I quite liked Noragami and the other two that I've been watching recently. Um, I watched The Devil is a Part-Timer. Goofy-ass title. Because um, these are all on me, Netflix. I, 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 I got free. one that will beat that. But- okay, good. Well, that makes me feel better. Um, these All the ones I'm going to talk about <clears throat> are on Netflix for free, so that's good. Um, the Devil's a Part-Timer is another kind of, like, other end of being a god. He's like a demon, devil, maybe he's Satan. Uh, uh, it actually says in the description, Satan. I know, but I know that. But they, like, the, the, there's a bunch of different devils, and so it, he is like Satan, therefore I am Prince of the Underworld. But, like, there's all this, you know, other so demons like, are trying to take over and... Fakey Japanese Satan. Kind of like the, uh, remember, remember God Jesus, the, the toy, the, the, uh, the robot that was God Jesus? That, uh, maybe not. <laughs> never never mind. Not. It was, it was a toy. It was like a package in Japan of this toy and it was called God Jesus. And it was something that looked like, uh, Johnny Five fr- from, uh, oh, Short okay. Circuit. But then it had yeah. also like a little cross in it. So he was a Mecca. Yes, and it was the package package said God Jesus. Anyway, so fake Satan is there, and what happens? (laughs) So he, well, he's not. So he's Satan, but what this mythology does is all of the names for Satan, like Beelzebub, etc., are actually just different devils. And so he ends up stuck on Earth um, because he went from the portal from the world where he lives to Earth. And in his absence, other demons are trying to take over. And then, of course, they show up on Earth also occasionally. And there are people called heroes who there is a hero who fights the demons. She also ends up stuck on Earth um, and the portals are closed and they don't have enough magic to get back. So he he being surprisingly, remarkably a good, you know, Japanese type citizen says, oh, well, I have to get a job so I can support myself. And, and someday I shall maybe go back to my plane. But in the meantime, I will make a good living here and maybe take over here. So he gets a part-time job at a fast food restaurant and slowly begins to climb the chain of, you know, full-time manager. Um, And he ends up being such a badass. Like, I thought he was an amusing, charming character because he's a demon slain and other sort of funny comedic side characters show up throughout. But he is a badass when, you know, actual other people shows up that he has to get serious about fighting. The the amount of just raw power that he has to obliterate them is is I find enjoyable. Does the devil um, take lo- long lunches? He takes very short lunches. He's Makes very sense. serious work ethic. He seems like he's a fastidious Leaves worker. Late. What is what do they fight about when people? Because I gotta be honest, I kind of like the premise of this. Like if this were a you know a, a Seth Rogen movie or something like that, where he is <laughs> Satan but he works at the fast. I, you know that'd be kinda, you know. You should check it. I think you might like it because it's maybe, not maybe overly pretentious and it's not too much crazy fan service. It's pretty good actually maybe i will um and some normal human girl gets involved and like she really sort of 
kind of likes this devil guy and the hero person keeps being like, no, he's terrible. And she's like, well, but really he isn't here. So I don't really care. Um, and they, she shouldn't be able to tell who they are, but she can. It's, it's good. It's all the right mix of everything you want. Hmm. Um, so check that one out. And then the other one I've been watching, which is a little more romantic, cheesy, but still enjoyable is uh, My Little Monster, which, do you know that one, Robert? You said, mm-hmm, maybe I've you know that one. It. I've heard of it. That's, that's the standard Robert. Uh-huh. It's, <laughs> you're right, it is. Um, it's pretty good. It's a, it's a boy who gets kicked out of school, and um, different from most anime that I've watched, the, the main protagonist female is not cute. She doesn't talk in a cutesy way. She's not sentimental at all. Like, all she cares about is studying, and, but she's not particularly, like, awkward or funny about it. She just does not give a shit about anything and is really cold a lot of the time. And she gets sent to go, you know, sort of anti-truancy the, the kid who's, uh, he got kicked out of school for beating people up. And he's the, like, lovable, dopey, doesn't really understand <clears throat> social norms and is monstrously strong for a reason they don't really explain or haven't explained yet. Because um, I haven't finished it yet, so I don't know if they explain it at some point. So he... You know, he decides that she must be his friend and then he starts following her along sort of like a puppy and he goes back to school and anytime she's in trouble, he like lifts a person with one arm and just chucks them across a room because he's like, what? That's normal, right? And she, you know, sort of berates him and goes, no, that's not normal. You can't do that. Um, And so it's a lot more normal. It's not demons or magic or anything like that. It's like normal school children stuff. But their, their relationship, their dynamic between how cold she is and how awkward and warm he is it's it's very cute and then silence (laughs) i was just trying to all right um anyway i i i like it i think it's it's i've only watched i think five or six episodes but i kind of it's it's so much more like it gets to really deep issues like every episode you know she'll go into something where she's like maybe i really need to reevaluate my connection to other people or what love is or and so but not in a not in a shallow way like i was surprised because in a lot of ways it's not like normal anime like mm-hmm. she's not super cute there's nothing fluffy going on there's no magic it's just kind of these really deep poignant issues in is, cartoon form is it like toradora at all uh i don't think i saw toradora okay so maybe <laughs> And anyway. Lou, did you say you had one to talk about? Even crazier title than the one you did. Oh, yeah, right. The The title of it is, I couldn't become a hero, so I reluctantly decided to get a job. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I mean, like it. It, it sounds like my life. <laughs> well, I mean, I was scrolling through some of the new shows that they added on Hulu, which it is on Hulu, both Hulu Plus and regular hulu so i guess you can watch it for free um basically the concept of the show is uh this guy named rawl i I think that's the pronunciation of it Mm uh he is wanting to become a hero and it's in like kind of like a high fantasy you know monsters and demons and stuff like that kind of world and the the first i've only seen the first episode but it opened with a you know a big epic battle and uh of course, there was already some skin tight fan service for the for the uh, <laughs> for the mail washer in like the first five minutes of it. But uh, basically, you know, you that's, have this epic. That's Fino. Um, I'm not sure. I'm only okay. like I'm said. I'm only one episode okay. deep, and the names haven't stuck uh, haven't okay. stuck with me yet. Okay. But um, but uh, you know, basically, there's this epic battle, and then the next thing you find out is that the demon king has been defeated and there's no longer a need for for heroes and 
warriors and stuff like that. So he's basically pretty much screwed. And he takes up a job at an electronics store. <laughs> and <laughs> and as opposed to using electricity and whatnot, everything uses magic. Uh, it's not like a a brand new television that you know plugs into the wall. It just uses magic. It's a magical viewer or something like that. And, you know, the guy was working there, I think, with one of the females from the opening battle sequence. And, you know, it's just basically kind of reverts into like a kind of like a slice of life, almost mm-hmm. magical comedy anime. And it does have a lot of fan service in it. So the guy's working there, um, you know, and uh, this one, uh, this one, what he, what the main character thinks is a boy walks in. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, the the character who is a girl actually um, is submitting a job application, and it turns out that she is the daughter of the dethroned demon king, mm-hmm. and she is socially awkward in the villainous type of way. You know, it's like um, he the uh, Rawl is trying to teach her how to how to talk to customers and she's like, Oh, <laughs> you're going to give me all your money. And, and like this, she's speaking to them from the perspective that, uh, or, or basically uh, like she is, or like she was taught by her father, you know, being kind of like a kind of, uh, proud villain, you know, <laughs> talk. And he was like, no, that's not how you talk to customers, and he's and he constantly berates her for for all of her social awkwardness. And um, as the first episode kind of goes on, you, you see her try, you know, start to kind of come to grips with what with, with what he's trying to get her to do. But um, but uh, like I, I mentioned, uh, fan service a few minutes ago, and. Basically, the first episode closes with uh, with her basically uh, washing her hair in the sink topless. And whoopsie, she, he tries to use a hair, hair dryer and the, she uses her demon powers and the thing basically explodes. And that's basically where I left off. But it's from from the first episode, it's actually pretty interesting. I think I'm going to keep on watching it but um but yeah it's uh i couldn't become a hero so i reluctantly decided to get a job and i think that is one of the best titles i've seen in quite some time it's pretty funny <laughs> it's kind of like that holy invasion of privacy Batman. <laughs> yes which they had to change the name they did now it's uh, in fact they changed it a couple of times i think because <laughs> yeah, now it's now it's no heroes allowed i think right. is what it's called now thank you warner brothers for confusing yeah. I think so I still speak, have the original. Speaking of Warner Brothers, now that we've had our anime moment, I think you were you finished talking about uh, yeah. Shadow yeah, of Mordor. I, okay. I've only, I only watched the first episode, so I mean that's as far as I it got. was interesting though that all of the things that we, I mean, basically all of these were about like super powered people just like getting like menial jobs doing things. I, I think it's a, a neat concept yeah. for a show. Really, I it mean, is kind of funny. It's, it's like they, they can go in so many different directions with it, depending on what the well, scenario is. I think it's also an interesting reversal of how often in the you know '90s you had anime that and 2000s that you had anime where it was a normal person who got superpowers. Yeah. 
And now you have like super powered people have to live normal lives too. And that's kind of comforting in a way. I like it. Yeah. It's a, it's a anime for the post 2008, uh, uh, bank crisis. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> well, now we're all financially screwed. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> Even gods are fucked. So just go to work, work as hard as you can. It'll be okay. Take those short lunches. Yep. Take the short lunch. <laughs> so now that we've animated out, uh, so, back to actually, games. Yeah, Warner like Brothers. You were saying Warner Brothers. So then Shadow of uh, Mordor, I know, is uh, WB, right? Because uh, Warner yes. Brothers has the uh, Lord of the Rings license at this point, right? Yes. Not yet. Yeah. 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 Speaking of people who have new licenses, did you guys see that uh, Disney and GOG teamed up to re-release some of the old Star Wars games? Yeah, yes, Tie Fighter. Uh, but also, so uh, excited! So a bunch of their stuff has come out on Steam, and then a bunch of other stuff is coming out on GOG. And I saw somebody online sort of theorize that they might be doing kind of an exclusivity period on either, and then eventually everything will sort of cross-pollinate to the other services. Is that the proper pronunciation, GOG? Instead of I usually say GOG. GOG. It's uh, I yes. They say GOG. GOG. Yelzebub. Satan. GOG. It's not like it's not like it's not like we instead of WWE. I think it's kind of. I, I, I don't like, think it's like CAG. It's like CAG. Well, I think I feel like, like I remember them calling themselves GOG at the at the press <laughs> I went to that was them and, and CD Project Red. Okay, pretty sure they did. I didn't go to that one. Yep, okay. I did. I got yeah, a that, is cool. that is cool. <laughs> I don't have a I don't have a joystick anymore. I've got all these peripherals around my house. I don't have anything. I'm going to be playing X Wing with Wazd. Yeah, go, go, no. oh, you, need, you really need one, Jeremy. <laughs> need, if you need. If you need a joystick, go to Goodwill because they always have those for like four or five bucks. Yeah, but you, yeah. you don't know that that's going to work if you <laughs> yeah. get it from Goodwill. Exactly. Well, I mean, you can get a decent. My Tie idea Fighter can only move down. Gonna that's going to be a lot I of fun. You you can get a Logitech Extreme 3D Pro joystick on Amazon for thirty four bucks. You can buy like forty like I'm a Goodwill joysticks for that. Pacifistic rebel because I can't shoot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what you know. You know what I had done before is when I had a broken joystick, I would use the uh, you know those little adjusters on the side to change right. the X and Y. Right. <laughs> I would use those yeah. and like steer. <laughs> um, uh, I, where did I pick up? I picked up one of the wired uh, Xbox 360s, and those work with every game. Um, yeah, twenty five bucks now. They're they're kind of clearing oh, out because everything's true. going wired or wireless. Oh. God, the Thrustmaster joystick is four hundred dollars. <laughs> How is that even a thing? Well, it's called Thrustmaster. Yeah, well, I, was gonna say, I don't think it, I don't think it's an actual gaming peripheral, though. Yeah, you're, you're looking, looking at uh, something else. Yeah. No, it's the Thrustmaster Hotas Warthog US, uh, U.S. Air Force replica joystick. Well, that's damn. The that is is uh, machine washable. It's yeah. water water. It is, I thought you were gonna sing, uh, but that's the Navy. Take my breath away. <laughs> You know, actually, it didn't occur to me until the words left Sage's mouth that Thrustmaster is kind of lewd. Yes, it is. <laughs> that didn't occur it, to you. It, it never, never occurred to me even once before. The way and she so said, said it, it really, what really made about that. Me? I guess it must you, be. You kind of enunciate Thrustmaster. That's I, true. Oh, did I over enunciate? I apologize. <laughs> oh, Mr. Thrustmaster. With apologies to our hot and bothered listeners. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what else have we been playing? Jeremy, why don't, why don't Is that okay? I'll, I'll go. <laughs> no. Answer your own question, damn it. Yeah, I guess I will. Physician, heal thyself. Uh, so I've, I've got a few to talk about and just some, some little snippets. Uh, I know I last time sort of 
just vomited everything. Uh, this time I'll try and show a little more, a uh, uh, little more restraint. Uh, yes, restraint. That's the, that's a good word. Uh, so the first thing I'd like to talk about is uh, um, it's a game that is on the PlayStation Three, PlayStation Four, and Vita. It's called Hohokam. Mm-hmm. And it came out earlier this year, and Talk I believe about it, mood. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, so here's the thing. Hokum, hello, uh, yeah. <laughs> so Hokum is a uh, it's like a 2D uh, flying snake simulator. Uh, you, you you play as this wiggly um, worm thing with a head, and it it does kind of look like a sperm. Uh, wait, wait, wait. I just want to I want to yeah. clarify real quick. The game is called Ho Ho Come yes, and you're playing is. a sperm. Isn't it all one word? You're breaking a it little, into syllables. Yes, it's Ho Ho Come. It's H H O K U M. Yes, sure it is. It's actually so if you really want to know, the name Ho Ho Come is actually a riff on a southwestern uh archaeological culture um of of basically Native American Indians, uh, so you can look that up and educate yourself. So the uh, the game is a, a kind of a weird, whimsical kind of Parappa the Rapper sort of um, zany kind of thing. So the idea is that you play as this this wormy thing, mm. and it's called the Long Mover. Um, <laughs> it is it is called the Long Mover, and um, and it's it's kind of a, a zen sort of experience, so it's very musical. Uh, it has a soundtrack that I just want to say, uh, when I listen to it, it's got a soundtrack that is a compilation of electronic musical artists from the label Ghostly International. And I don't know if a lot of you guys listen to um, like house or electronic music, but it is a pretty good uh, label of, of, of musicians. And I have to say that I think it is possibly my favorite artist compilation video game soundtrack Possibly since Katamari Damacy. Wow, really? That's quite yeah. a claim. Yeah. Katamari was was definitely its own sort of vibey, mm-hmm. like goofy thing. This is not goofy in that same way, but it's just really good. It's just really good. Mm. Um, and, and I think it's streaming. I know it's on Spotify. I think there are still some websites that promoted the the music at the launch of the game, and you can find those. And they just have in browser streaming. So look it up. Uh, the the soundtrack to Hokum. But the way the way the game starts is you are this wiggly thing, and you have a bunch of wiggly friends. And you're happy in your in your weird uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse kind of zany land, and you sort of wiggle around together, and it makes these fun shapes as you all frolic, and you know you are in control of the thing, and it you know you just kind of have fun moving around with your dudes, and then eventually <laughs> they they all they all kind of run away, they all go away, and the the, the game itself is you exploring a series of interconnected themed areas or themed worlds and it's all like really weird stuff i mean it is it, it is i i mean i've mentioned katamari damasi and Wee's playhouse and uh parappa the rapper it's that kind of thing you know that super flat kind of weird looking just everything is, is just a little off and kind of bizarre like you might go to a world that's a jungle uh but in inside the jungle there are like weird looking smiley elephants with like lipstick or something. I mean, that, that's not one of the things. But and people, people might be riding on them. And everything that you do as you float through this land, so you can control your velocity and you can control your angle and you can swoop around in circles and things. 
and you're not really given a lot of instructions. Like it doesn't really tell you like your objective is to go here or go there. You literally kind of wander through everything. And as you pass by some stuff, you might find that something is interactive. Mm-hmm. So you might you might fly by some some you know swamis who are riding on one of these elephants, and some of them might jump on. And suddenly they're riding you. So it's got the Nobi Nobi Boy kind of thing. So if anybody ever played Nobi Nobi Boy on PS3, like again, a very weird sort of. It, it, yeah. D- does it play like Flower? Um, mm, only in that it, you're constantly moving. Okay. So it, like in Flower, you were always moving. So mm-hmm. here you're always moving. And really, it's just a question of are you going to speed up? Are you going to? Mm-hmm. Uh, how are you going to control your direction? But it's very exploratory. So even in Flower, you would have you know trails of, of petals that you would go and scoop. Up and it becomes apparent pretty quickly, like, hey, I'm going to start scooping these things up. Mm-hmm. That does not happen in Hokum. So you might, as you're flying around, like dudes might jump on your back and you might go to a beach party or something. And suddenly everybody's in a beach party and there's water slides and things. And maybe some of the guys will jump off and go down a slide as you pass by it, or maybe they'll splash in the water. And, and stuff to, like you don't really know what's going on. But eventually, each of these worlds, and they're all like very different. So you know, some of them are even just abstract. Like you're in a you're in a room full of um, like uh, pop popcorn or something like little poppy uh, bumpers that you run into, and you might be like, "Well, I'm going to just bump into all of them because they alternate like popping big and popping small." So you might say, "I'm mm-hmm. going to try and pop them all small." And when you do that, something else in the level might happen. So in in that same way, you might it's fly by. Yes, yes, and and so you might fly by like an eyeball-looking thing, and the eyeball-looking thing might start looking at you, and then you like wiggle around to make it dizzy or something. And I, I'm just kind of coming up with stuff off the top of my head, but mm-hmm. that's the kind did, of game this is. Yes, Sage. Did, did you find the? Because actually, Robert, I think you and I look up screenshots. I think you and I played this at E3. Did you find the controls? To be sometimes inconsistent, or maybe they fixed that. Because I think when we were playing it, you'd be going along, and you would try to go into different directions, and sometimes you would just like sort of wonk out and crash into something a little bit, or um, not quite go where you little, thought you were. A little. I find that the the speed is a little hard to figure out. Like I can't tell if I wiggle more, maybe I go faster, or, or how it goes. But I, I know that it's also different when you go from one platform to another. So I've been playing oh, primarily. Beauty. For some reason, it is 2D. For yes, some reason, I thought it was 3D. No, 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 no. 2D okay, flying snake simulator, and okay. and so, <laughs> um, so so Sage, the controls maybe, but most of the time you're just going around, like Robert said, on a 2D plane. So it's not like there. It's a really fine control sort of thing. It's mostly mm-hmm. like flying around and exploring stuff. The the thing is though that that may or may not be really inviting for people. I, I found that at the first I was like, you know what, I'm just not in the mood for a, a, a non-game right now. Like, ah, I, you know, it's whimsical and God, blah, like I'm just not interested. But every level has just a couple of key things. And, and what you're doing, what you end up, what you find out that you're doing is you're going to find all of your wiggly friends from the beginning. So you might find that, like for example, there's a room full of pottery and as you fly past pots, it crashes the pots and there's this little potter and he like, uh, he like sighs because you crashed all his pots. And then you're like, okay, well shit, what do I do now? And you kind of fly around for a little bit, you leave and come back and there's more pots and you do it again. And then like the third or fourth time you do it, you find that he has he's stopped potting. He's now sitting down and having tea with 
one of your wiggly friends. And when you go up and find him, when you find one of your wiggly friends by unlocking whatever the random thing is in the level, they get like a fun little splash screen and they all have like a little personality, kind of like the the Katamari Damacy royal cousins and stuff. Like they all have names Mm -hmm. and they don't even mean anything. But once you start to figure out like, oh, this is the idea of this game, it kind of then starts to really click for you. And, And for me anyway, it became more fun at that point. The game kind of reminds me in a way a little bit of Mist. Like weirdly, this this analogy may or may not work, but in Mist, you know, you would you were given like a just an environment, and you could just click on stuff, and you don't have any idea what's going on, but eventually you start to like, oh, okay, this knob changes the numbers over here, okay, and then that unlocks this other thing, and it's kind of that, except all you really do is you just fly around and you look at what's in the environment or what's in the foreground or the background, or you find out how things interact with you as you fly by them. And eventually you start unlocking stuff. So and, is it all one and then big world? It, really, it, it is. So uh, there's there's some loading, and I've been playing it, like I said, primarily on Vita. But in, in each of these levels, there's one or two um, holes. And if you navigate your long mover into the hole, um, you, you know, and you have to be going at a certain velocity, don't snigger. <laughs> uh, Too late. Yeah. So if you if you navigate your long mover into the hole... Uh, it it then takes you to an adjoining area that is completely unrelated but interconnected, and um, so the uh, and what I'm saying is you can go in any of the holes you want to, and it'll take you to. Uh, okay, you did that one intentionally. I, I did. I did do that one intentionally. But um, but anyway, so. Can I tell you something? The tr- yes. the the culture that it's named after, which is Hoho Kam, spelled with an A instead of a U, that word actually means all used up, and they lived in Snake Town. So I the innuendos were there from before time was time. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sure exactly why they picked it. I mean, there's not really any relation that I can tell from the name to anything in the game. Um, but but as an experience, like I said, if you can get past that initial just sort of vague wandering kind of ness of it, um, it, it turned out to be kind of rewarding. And I really enjoyed like figuring out like yes, I've mastered this this weird ass level that made no sense, and, and I conquered it, and it's mine now. Uh, the other thing is that it cross saves immediately between platforms. So oh, nice. anytime connected to uh, a network, a, a Wi-Fi network, it will uh, basically automatically save your process, uh, your progress whenever you go to the main menu. Um, platform? And it's, cool. it's, uh, it's on PS3, PS4, and Vita. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah, it is cross-buy. So you buy it once, you play it on all of them. And I've used it in both. And like I said, the music, uh, once, once I started listening to it, I was like, yeah, this is really good. In fact, uh, Sony did, do you remember the, the thing that they did One Night Live for The Last of Us? They did a kind of One Night Live production for this, for Hohokam, on Twitch.tv as well, and I'm sure it's still in their archives. And they actually had these DJs, these musical artists, come and, and perform uh, songs or tracks from the game, and, and uh, it was really good. And that's actually, that particular event that they did where they streamed that music is kind of what made me interested in Hohokam. And mm. uh, it, it is a pretty neat experience once you decide whether you like it. But it is, like I said at first, if, if you're the kind of person who gets overwhelmed with not having explicit instructions or if you don't really feel like zenning out, uh, which, like I said, when I first started playing it, I was a little bit like, okay, all right, it's whimsical, whatever. Um, but I did eventually, once I started figuring things out through that exploration, it, it eventually became something that I really enjoyed. So, um Look into the music, like I said, if, if nothing yeah. else. Like I said, that, that soundtrack is possibly... I, I got it up right, right here, actually. Um, it's oh, wow, nine... <laughs> well, yeah, well, when you, it, my interest peaked when I heard Electronica, because that's 
one of my favorite genres, actually. Uh, they have it on theghostlystore.com, and it is $9.50 for an MP3 download, or also $9.50 for a rainbow-spotted clear vinyl. What? Uh, the sound Yeah. Yeah, Plus, they should yeah. have the Where MP3 is it? download. It's, uh, uh, on a second, I'll it's post on the it Ghost in the International vinyl. Store. But if you want, if you want yeah. to listen to the, uh, to the soundtrack for free, like I said, you can actually just search Hohokam Soundtrack. And it's, prob- it's not the very top list of results, but you'll find a couple of promotional websites that are like, oh, the soundtrack. Uh, and you can, from what I could tell, you could listen to the entire thing uh, through an embedded player in, in, in the website. Or, like I said, I understand that it's also on Spotify as well. So. Uh, so that is Hohokam, the 2D Oh my god, the vinyl is awesome. Isn't it? Yes. So it's very artistic, and I know that there are people out there who are complaining like, oh, PlayStation is all about indies now. You know what? <laughs> F off. It's cool. Because um, huge, whoa. big games come out for PlayStation, and it's good that indie is now getting like an equal foothold. So if people are actually saying that, they need to pull the stick out of their arse and play one fewer FPS. Is the cat also a indie game? Because that's really good too. It's kind of. Like I was a actually Pac-Man gonna mention Picks the Cat. Is that on your list? Or are you gonna talk about Picks? No, I mean, if you want to, uh, go right ahead. I mean, I uh, I played brief- a little bit of it, but not recently. Yeah, I'll just briefly talk about Picks the Cat. Um, Picks the Cat is uh, free on PS Plus, so there's not a lot of reason to really do a review or anything like that. But um, everybody played um, Pac-Man Championship Edition, right? Of course. Did everybody mm-hmm. play that? Yeah. Yes, loved it. That's yeah. the correct answer. Uh, well, uh, Pixel Cat is basically yes, Championship Edition DX. Yes, yeah. and can I tell you? I don't know if I've ever said it on the show before, but one thing that I would love to see—I don't go into arcades uh, really ever anymore—but I would love to see a Pac-Man collector, a Pac-Man Championship Edition DX arcade gotcha. machine. Yeah, that yeah. would be fantastic with, with like a great sound system. Mm. Oh, I'd love that. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> fix the cat is basically more or less a reskin of Pac-Man Championship Edition, um, mm. where you have little mazes, and where, whereas in Pac-Man Championship... There's got to be a, a way to shorten that. Pac-Man CEDX. Uh, that's still not just, good. Just say Pac-Man. Pac- we all know what you're talking okay, so about. So Pac-Man. The, the, the Pac-Man that I'm referring to in this case uh, was basically a puzzle where you would have different shaped... You know, it wasn't the classic Pac-Man maze. It was all kinds of different mazes. And they were designed in a way that you would you would swing through the maze and pick up adjacent ghosts who would then follow you in a trail. So you'd, you'd accumulate this line of ghosts behind you. And, and that was really the game, is you would get this string of ghosts going as long as you could until you would get a power pellet and then you'd go back and eat them all like bum, 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 rapid fire, just like mm-hmm. like a like a of goodness. So, it, you know, so one of the beauties of it was you were supposed to delay gratification until that point of like maximum tension. Yes. And, and in then fact, boom, it just you started chomping Jesus Christ, Robert. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Uh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't on board with you until, until it was too late. Um, <sighs> oh, Jeremy, you're not allowed on board with me. No. Uh, no. Why? <laughs> um, so you're asking is... why, and you're the first one to make a lewd comment on this show. I, yeah. I make them occasionally, and usually sorry, sorry. as a precursor to 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 yours. Let's get back on track. <laughs> so, yep. uh, Pix the Cat is the same exact idea, uh, except instead of Pac-Man, you're this cat. And instead of ghosts, you pick up little ducks. Uh, so it's I don't, just a total reskin? I don't know. Be- because I, DS, I DX, added, like, DX added different skins. Like, you could be Rally X, you could be the guy from Dig Dug, you could be other things. Yeah, n- n- no, it's... Uh, it's just a reskin? The, 
The only, yeah. I mean, almost literally, it is. Because um, if you remember, for example, in Pac-Man, as you would round corners, you could sort of hit the hit the angle before you got there, before you got right. to the intersection, and you'd get this mm-hmm. little spark of you know yeah. as, you, as you turn. And it does the same thing in this. Uh, the only what real about dip- the slowdown when you would yes, come close yes, to an enemy? It it, that was it does just that what I was too? thinking. Of. Yeah, it, it, it does that if you're about to. I don't face know how I feel about that. So, so, but you know what? Here's the thing: it's not on PS4, so like whatever, play it on PS4. The the only difference is that in this, if you run into your tail, uh, you die. Was that that wasn't the case in Pac-Man, was it? Your tail. Well, you didn't, didn't have, have a tail. A tail. In Pac-Man. Well, well if, if you're trailing if the you ghost, your trail of of dudes that you've picked up. If you if you Probably. hit if you hit ghosts, yes, you died. If you had a yeah. long enough well, tail of you, ghosts. Because you couldn't chomp them until you picked up the power pellet, that's right. Oh, so, yeah, no, I, if you ran into them at all, you died. Yeah, you did die, that's right, I forgot about that. Except there was, you could hit a bomb sometimes, I think, in Pac-Man to, like... Scare just, them off, yeah. Yeah, just, like, screw all the ghosts and the way they would go. But that would reset uh, your combo. Would, exactly, game, so you yeah. wouldn't want to do that, exactly. And, and again, same thing here, so it's timed, and the goal in Picks the Cat is to try and get as many of them as you can in a, in a particular period of time. Mm-hmm. So it literally is kind of... Literally just a reskin of Pac-Man Championship Edition, but it, it so has... so if you couldn't relate to a little yellow cheese-looking slice wheel ball. ball, then you then if you're more of a cat person, you will like this game better. But if you Maybe. love Pac-Man, you will be annoyed by the fact that now it's yellow ducks following a black cat instead of blue ghosts following a yellow kind ball. Kind of. And if you want to play it on either your PlayStation 4 or your Vita, it's actually free on the, I believe it's this month on the Games with Gold promotion for Xbox One. Uh, so it's, it's uh, if, you're, if you have an Xbox Gold subscription and an Xbox One, you can play it on Xbox One, which Pac-Man is not there. It's on PlayStation 4 and Vita, which Pac-Man is not there. So They should have just uh, called it Puck-Man. They, <laughs> they, well, I could possibly people, go wrong. People would just blot out that part of the P and they'd right. call it. Well, isn't that originally his name yeah. was... Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's the, that was the joke. Okay. Anyhow, no, I wasn't so sure. <laughs> no, no, that's all right. Uh, so I and Blue, thanks for bringing that up. I I did have it on my list. I wasn't actually planning on talking about it, but it is you know it's that's free right. on uh, Xbox Gold. Uh, it is not free on. Uh, in fact, I think I said at the beginning that it's free on PlayStation Plus, but it is maybe it is. No, it is. is it? I downloaded. It. I just didn't play it. Is yeah, it? No, so I wait, probably won't. It's free on Xbox Gold for both consoles, the 360 and No, you know what? I think, you know what I was mixing up was another game that was on my list, which is called, um... uh, Jeremy Sucks at Remembering Names. I love that game. I I have, I have... We played every week, though. Uh, (laughs) Oh, God. Um, (laughs) No, what I was thinking of was, um... Second level. Prima Games. Shit. All right, never mind. So it is on... That game? I love this shit game, Nuns Gone Wild? Games uh, shit. What is it called? Chariot is the is the game I was thinking of. Chariot oh. from Freema Games is free on uh, Xbox Games with Gold. Uh, Picks the Cat is on PlayStation Plus. It's getting hard to keep track of all the free games they're giving out these days. That's right. true. A wonderful problem to have. It is, it is true. It's not very good for podcasting, but it's good for you, dear listener and consumer. A <laughs> uh, couple of other things I wanted to talk about briefly. Uh, again, on PlayStation 4, Escape Goat 2. Yeah, which that on is, PC. Uh, yes, it is also on PC, and it's apparently the sequel to the original Escape Goat, which <laughs> I don't know. Shocker. I never, I never played that one. I, I don't know. So I kind of feel like Escape Goat Two, which I've been playing on PS4. Uh, I might be missing out on some of the story of the Goat's Great Escape in the original Escape Goat. Um, 
Is it like an I unofficial admit. sequel to Goat Simulator? It, it could be like, well, it could be a prequel to Goat Simulator. It could be a sequel to Escape from New York or Escape from L.A. Blah, I don't know. The but uh, Yeah, the greatest escape. Yeah, it could be. It could be any of these. Uh, so it's actually, uh, one thing I didn't realize State was escape. that it is a, uh, possibly the first release from Double Fine, the Double Fine Presents label, oh. uh, which they're publishing. I guess they're building other people's games. So uh, the idea of a scapegoat two, it's a it, the thing about a scapegoat two that makes it easy is that you can look at it and get a pretty good idea of what it is. Yep. It is a fairly straightforward. Um, how do you describe puzzle. it? Like everything done in yeah, it's a puzzle and everything is done in blocks. So it's kind of the same thing as like um, uh, like I don't want to say bubble bobble, but you, you know. Uh, um, minor, minor, or or something like that, where basically uh, you have, yeah. Well, you know what I'm trying to say is it's kind of like a platform, but everything is done in in blocks, and it's again 2D. So you play as a goat who can double jump and and butt heads with things, and every level is a puzzle, and you basically just have to find a way to get to the end of the puzzle right. without. It, it, it's uh, a it's a platformer, but reflexes aren't really required. It's all right. about uh, how, how smart you are and figuring out with. the cause right. and effect of things because mm-hmm. you you can find yourself trapped in the level you can um, uh, you can die of course you can reset on your own anytime uh, right. on the PlayStation Four you press the touchpad which is a great use of the touchpad um, <laughs> but uh, yeah most it, games are, they use it as an extra button I've noticed yeah which and you know I mean, Samurai like, Warriors it's just you know instead of pressing the start button you press the touchpad. Which, yes. by the way, I didn't I didn't talk about because I wrote a review. But awesome game! They really actually changed it up with the hyper attacks. Everybody so read the review on the website www.techdeathgaming.com. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> no, that's all right. So the thing about a scapegoat is that you kind of have to like that sort of thing. Yep. I th- I'm with you. I don't think a scapegoat is going to win anybody over. Um, so you, if, if you watch a couple of levels of a scapegoat or watch people streaming it, maybe, which actually I went to look at it and nobody was streaming it. Um, ah, gosh, well, I don't... For, for me, I had fun with it. I played through about 15, 20 levels and, uh, and the, the levels have kind of a meta map, uh, there. And yeah. I never went back to it because I feel like I, I felt like, well, I've seen much as it, it has to offer and I know it's just going to get really More difficult <laughs> yeah. yes, to, to exactly. the point where it's going to frustrate me and I, I didn't see anything shocking coming down the pipeline but if you yeah. like those games definitely I could see people really really digging it and, and, and I want to emphasize something that you said it, it was fun for what I played like it never I never really got to the point where even at some of the higher levels where it got really frustrating or anything yeah. like that but, and it even has cute moments like you get little sidekick guys like you get a little mouse who can yeah. run up the walls and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. He's got a mouse friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, so st- stuff like that. So Scapegoat, I, I know that a lot of people, kind of, it, it gets a little bit of credit because it has a cool name, right? Scapegoat. Mm-hmm. My God. Um, but if you look at it, you can probably make a pretty, you can probably judge this one by its cover if you look oh, yeah. at it and say, that's not for me. Mm-hmm. Or you can look at it and say, oh, yeah, I sure I sure sort of like that, that kind of thing. And then there you go. Scapegoat. Uh, Scapegoat 2. 
A uh, couple, couple of other things really fast. I've been playing the Walking Dead uh, Zen Pinball Table. I don't know yeah, if anybody else I've has tried that, that out. Mm-hmm. Uh, pinball, I just have to say, pinball is never what I want pinball to be. The table mm-hmm. is really good. It's really well produced. It takes some of the great little moments from the Walking Dead Season 1 uh, PC and, or I guess, adventure game, technically. It's on a yep. lot of platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it makes each of the episodes into a section of this table, each section has different goals that relate mm-hmm. back to the game you know choose. the thing tries is to though, emulate the branching storylines it, it does and here's my tries. problem with it. here's my problem with it uh, a i never know how the table works right so wh- you know things are flashing all over the place and this is me like i can't mm-hmm. blame pinball as a game for this because i think there are other people out there who are good at pinball and and, and really you know they just click with these with these tables for me, though, I'm like, okay, shit. So now I'm on episode one. I've got to do something with an axe here. Okay. And as I'm trying to figure out what happens, the ball goes down the tube or something. And well, well, Jeremy, there's a table guide. And yeah, I would so suggest I looked, just putting I 10 minutes table, in that. And even if, you, I mean, even if you're just paying attention, the, the things will light up. Like the lanes that you're supposed to go into, they're there. I mean, you can probably just like, all right, I'm going to hit the ball into this flashing thing. But I found that more than in other tables... I, I was so concerned about, like, okay, oh, my God. Like, I, I want to make this choice. I want to do this the right way. Save Doug. Save Doug. By the way, Team Doug. Carly can eat one. Um, um, but but as I was trying to do that, I found that I would just not hit the goals that I wanted to, and so then I would just fail everything anyway. So well, although my, – mm-hmm. My, I guess, issue with it is that – and I don't – this is no fault of the developers. I don't really know what they could do with it, but the outcome is just you score 5 million points or you score 1 million points. And it, and it doesn't really affect the long-term, you know, storyline or if there is even a storyline if there's really no effect to your decisions and what, which ironically is the same complaint that people said about the game itself. Right. Um, which well, you know, that, okay. that's not really ironic. That's just coincidental, right? You shut up. I'm just saying. You use the word wrong. No, I think that. <laughs> no, I think that's. You're correct. begging the question. I'm not. Iron irony would be if it was the opposite, opposite used in a way to demonstrate the very thing that it was the opposite of, which I don't think that's what that is. Okay. Yeah, maybe right. Yeah, right. I, know. I, I found she schooled us both. Although I'm just <laughs> I'm yeah. Sorry. Well, I just uh, thought that the game was. Over. I am <laughs> depending if you entered into the game thinking it was about choice. If if you went into it thinking that it would be a more a storyline, then I could see Jeremy's point of view. Uh, yes, well, and uh, yeah, okay. point of view. Here's, here's something. Already. Here's something that is not on my playing list, and I. <laughs> Walking Dead Season 2, which I still haven't bothered with, which mm-hmm. I don't know if anybody has. Um, but, but I will say that mechanically, the Walking Dead's uh, pinball table is... Uh, I mean, it has some interesting things. The, the, all the different tables are always fun. They always have yeah. you know, fun books and things. Um, for me, though, the, the problem was just as a, a mediocre player of pinball, I found that actually caring... you know, Because usually on other tables, on other Zen mm-hmm. pinball tables, I'm just like, fuck it. I'm just hitting the ball wherever I want to. Mm-hmm. In this, I was like, oh, Oh my god, this is the part where I get to decide I'm not going to spoil anything. Yeah, exactly. Something from I want to do it the way I did it in the in the in the adventure game. And then I'll just flub it <laughs> terribly because I'm a not good at pinball and b the things that it actually wants me to do like hit eight Kill of these the lanes, save all the right. survivors. And I'm like shit. Uh, and it just <laughs> did not work out for me. But it, Jeremy, it, just just play it as you would pinball. I might, I might have to just do that. But then I'll be like, no, that's not what really happens. <laughs> I will let the that's ball die canonical. by draining. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's my choice. Um, so, and then one last thing, one last thing for me, mm-hmm. which I specifically wanted to talk about this briefly because a uh, listener of the show Kookaburra in the uh, uh, show comments had requested that we talk a little bit more about retro things. So and since the last show, I have been playing on the 3DS Super Mario Land 2 on yes, right. which is the original Game Boy game. Uh, I think I had mentioned at some point playing Super Mario Land, which was packed in. Or actually, was it a pack in with the Game Boy? Maybe that was only Tetris. Anyway, I played it. I think that was those were probably the two games people got: Tetris and Super Mario Land. So I've been playing Super Mario Land two kind of for the first time. It was actually one of the um, Nintendo eShop freebies that you can get for doing uh, uh, surveys. Wow. And- a while ago. And I have kind of been pleasantly surprised by Super Mario Land 2 because to me it is the perfect bridge between what we know as, you know, Super Mario 3 or Super Mario World, you know, the the canon mainline Mario versus the weird ass Super Mario Land which had nothing to do with anything on the Game Boy. Super Mario Land 2 fits like right in between there and it takes some of the weird ass shit from Super Mario Land and kind of transforms and adds in some of the elements like uh, you know Mario can when you jump you can uh, hit the down D-pad and he'll do that spinning thing that he does mm-hmm. in Super Mario World where it's a bigger you know a drop that you can you can kill enemies. Um, but it still has a lot of weird stuff. Like, it's a big interconnected map, so there's an overworld. Uh, but all of, all of the things are so just, like, bizarre and disconnected from one another. There's, like, a, a, a pumpkin, like, jack-o'-lantern Halloween-themed world. There's a, a, a miniature world. There's a tree-themed world where everybody is... All the enemies are just weird things, like fish with, with bull horns and ants that have spiky backs that you can't jump on. And the three and, little pigs. Yeah, and just, like, all kinds of stuff. And I have to say, I am just, like, really charmed by it. Some of the power-ups that you get, there's, like, rabbit ears that you get that you can... You, you can't fly with them, but you can float. And so if you keep hitting it, your rabbit ears will wiggle, and you get this very slow descent, but you can still move horizontally. Um, fireballs are weird, because instead of changing colors, because obviously they have a limited color palette, Mario gets this weird feather thing on his head and then can shoot fireballs. Um, That's right. And I... I've just been finding, like, I'm just weirded out by this. Like, it's like, whoa. I I wonder who the development team was. Uh, You know, I don't know, and I haven't really looked up too much about it, but um, it it definitely is more of a sort of dynamic. And I mean, mean, in in the original Super Mario Land, everything was extremely lo-fi, right? Like, the mushrooms were like four pixels and and a brown top. Or something. With this, they they actually seem like they. And I don't know how this would run on an actual Game Boy, but on the 3DS, uh, which I it would turn I, into I a when, blur when it scrolls. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. I was just going to say the the 3DS uh, screen. Uh, I mean, it's it's. I think I said of the original Super Mario Land, it's almost like playing a completely different game. Yeah. Um, and so this works yeah. really well, and it's. I remember it's probably, being, being so frustrated with the original game because it, it blurred. You couldn't even tell it was Mario anymore. Yeah, it was hard, and and, yeah. it was, and it was just so out there. Like, why is this stuff in a Super Mario game? And, you know, back then, they probably didn't think anything of it. I mean, we've talked about this before. Yeah. Sequels at the time, it was like, well, it's just kind of a new, different thing. Like, oh, it's cool. Mario's fighting submarines now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, and this has that weird crossover element that kind of... I would like to see where this stuff fits into if there's, like, some Super Mario canon, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Bible of, of lore, mythology right. somewhere... Like, this is the kind of the thing that legitimizes that. And I think it would be really cool to see some of this weird Super Mario Land stuff make it into, like, the next Super Mario 3D Land or, or something. Or Super Smash Brothers. 
Yeah, yeah or Super great. Smash Brothers. Like, I'd love to see something like set. Like an octopus like, or like, ants or something. Yeah. Or, yes, exactly. Yeah, like weird or octa-ants. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's anything goes in this. And I kind of find that very charming about Super Mario Land 2. So I did want to, uh, you know, talk a little bit about something on the retro side. So thanks, User Kookaburra, for, for asking for that. It's, uh, it has definitely been a trippy uh, little experience for me that I've really enjoyed. I, it's a really I, underrated title, too. I mean, it's... I mean, I you never hear anybody talk about it, really. Negative. And it's I'd a damn good it. one. I grew up, you know, playing that thing a lot, and I, I never really got more than two or three of the six golden coins until I, I got older and finally beat it. But That was it, the subtitle, just, right? Six golden yeah. coins? Yeah. yeah. You had to beat all of the bosses in each of the worlds or stages or categories, whatever. And all six of the coins would then unlock Wario's Palace. And you'd have to fight Wario, of course. So that was his first appearance, if I recall correctly. Did, did it have a? Did it have a battery save? Do you guys know? Uh, I. Ooh, password. Ooh, no? I don't. Uh, think there's that. there's no password, and it doesn't say anything about a battery save. If you reset it, you play it each time from the beginning. I think if you got a game over, you lost your your yeah, coins. You had thing. to start over again. I, I think it might have had a battery save, but I. It's been a little while since I played the cartridge. It says there are only 32 levels in total based in several different themed zones. There are some secret levels, but I don't know. A game with 32 levels... I was thinking levels, you'd, have to, you'd have to play it on a single set of batteries, and how, how long did the old Game Boy last? Yeah. Three yeah. hours. Well, I mean, and, and, I mean, even think about Super Mario World. I mean, you could, if you're really you know, interested in it, you could probably beat it in just a couple, three hours or, or less. I mean... Yeah. So it's yeah. you know it's definitely doable. Uh, I was just looking. The uh, producer again was Gunpei Yokoi. Um, it looks like it might even yeah rest in peace Gunpei. I mean it looks like it's the same team and it's it's just a vastly different and more complex game than the original was. So if you like I think most people who played the original Game Boy probably did play Super Mario Land. Super Mario Land Two. I've been pretty super impressed with it. It's just it's just very weird, and like I said, I think I appreciate that part of it too. So it holds up pretty well, I must say. I, play, I played it, it last does. year. And it's it's damn good for for an original Game Boy game. Yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that we went from Super Mario Land, which was so simple, to something like this, which uh, you know, it's almost like a. I mean, it was produced in when 1992. Something like that. Uh, 91, something. 92, something like that. Yeah, they and probably it's actually, tried to rush out Super Mario Land. Because I yeah. think that came out, it didn't come out at launch, but a few months after that. Wasn't it like well, 1989? I believe so, jeez. You know, I was looking at this, this has actually been on virtual console since 2011, so. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's, I guess it's been out there a while, so it's retro in a couple senses. It was originally released a long time ago, and it's on the current platform a long time ago. But I doubt anybody really paid much attention to it, but I think it's probably worth the, what, four, five dollars, I guess, that they would mm-hmm. be charging. Four. I, my- Four bucks? Yeah, for GB. That's a good deal. That that really is a good deal. You got it through uh, Club Nintendo? Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, so a while ago, it's not available as as this right now. But you know, you can spend your Club Nintendo coins and usually get software, which is typically what I do with it. I find that there's not much use to hoard those uh, Club Nintendo coins, but uh, uh, I I'll pretty much always pick a whatever software title is is out there. Um, so you don't get the screensavers. Wallpaper. No, or the <laughs> like the the extending ball grabber thing, or yeah. all that shit. Oh Jesus! Nope. But what? <laughs> now, I, now, I'm one one reason why I wanted to ask about that was because I believe this month on Club Nintendo they have another 
underappreciated retro title for Wii U, and that is Kirby's Dream Course. That game is fucking phenomenal. It's one of the best hidden gems on the Super Nintendo. And I've I've played a couple of Super Nintendo games, I must say. Yeah, it is. Kirby's Dream Course, 200 coins. Worth it. It is absolutely worth it. Kirby is the mm-hmm. ball, and it's kind of... It, it's the most unusual take on golf I've ever played. Oh. And, mm-hmm. and it, even in a competitive environment... It gets it, hard, too. It, it's hard. Once you, once you get to the U, it's like third or fourth course. It gets pretty tough. It, it does. And... Um, if you're playing, if you're playing with a second person, mm-hmm. that game is even better because you can use your power ups on the opponent, or on the opponent's right. Kirby. And I remember, I remember when I was a kid growing up and I was playing that game with my mom, and I, I would just activate like the fireball mm-hmm. uh, ability of Kirby, and I would hit her Kirby and knock him off the course and she would be cursing her ass off, and I'd be laughing mine off, and we would. It, it, that was just one of our favorite games when I was a kid, and mm-hmm. we played it a couple of years ago, and it seems like she pulled off the most amazing hole-in-one I've ever seen in any Kirby golf mm. well, whatever game. It, it's, yeah, 200 coins. Go fucking get it. Yeah, I think I might. It's either that or Wrecking Crew. Oh, God. That was awful. Don't, don't, get, right. don't get Wrecking Crew. I was just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, get, right get, get Dream Course, it's fantastic. My old retro title, SNES, was Uniracers, which was like mm. this racing game where you had Street Fighter type of uh, tricks and stunts with uh, unicycles, and it was fun as hell. It was a 2D side-scrolling. Uh, yeah, it was, side it was, 2D, and, like, it was 2D, 2D, and it used the uh, like CG graphics, like Donkey Kong, so it uh, looked fairly smooth. But uh, with two players, you, you can't play it solo. With two players, that shit would get heated. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, right I, I played that last year as well. I think I, I, I think I stumbled upon it, and mm-hmm. that really is—it's not—it's not bad even now. No, it's a genius game. It's smart, and that's all for me. Sage, what you got? Um, so I went sort of all across the board, but I'm just going to touch briefly on the two things, and then. Uh, I'm going to spend most of my time talking about the the one thing that I'm going to super gush over. So, um, Jeremy, I played Monsters Ate My Birthday Cake on your recommendation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that name. And uh, it's a good name. And actually, like, I don't usually like the cute little, you know, Android kind of games, but it's uh-huh. really good. I like it's it. It's better than you think it's going to be, too. Because when I got it, I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this. But then, like, the, what was it? Did you have a moment when you decided that you liked it? Uh, pretty much right away. Like the, like the, the music. The comedy. Yeah, the music was great. The comedy hooked me pretty quickly. Um, like the lines were really funny. There were puns. Puns get me every time. Yeah. So <laughs> so I liked the puns. And, and I found the controls really, really good. Like I loved the use of, of uh, track touch dragging. Mm-hmm. And and double tapping and I I don't think you know if you have a touch screen tablet phone whatever I think that that's a smart thing to utilize and not a lot of games utilize it either well or enough but I think that that game does a really good job of just enough touch movement to keep you intrigued and it works really well yeah it turns out mm-hmm. yep so um I don't have a lot to say about it I mean it's a the this premise is really simple you wake up and it's your birthday and your puppy companion is there. And you're like, oh boy, birthday cake. 
and then your birthday cake is gone. And so you decide monsters who live out in the woods have eaten your birthday cake and you find nice monsters who go with you and help you and they sort of teach you that there are nice monsters and bad monsters and allegory for human beings, blah, blah, blah. And um, all the different monsters have different powers and so you have to really teamwork between you and the monsters on getting through a level, um, which I, I always think is a nice dynamic as long as it doesn't get too complicated. And it's um, kind of so that it plays kind of like uh, Adventures of Lolo or something like that, where you have a top-down kind of view and you have to mm-hmm. step on a panel to get rid of spikes, and then you move right. someone else through the spikes and they go do something else. And right, yeah. and like one guy can dig, and one guy can scream and break obstacles, and one guy is the big Hulk smash. So depending on where they are in a certain place, you have them do different things. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's I don't have I mean Jeremy unless you want to say something more about it it's just it's a no, solid no. game it was free when you mentioned it I don't know how much it costs normally um, it was I paid five dollars right? for it so the the irony of it was that I paid five bucks for it it went on sale like the next week for a dollar and then it was free when I think uh, was it Sai <laughs> that talked about it someone talked about it anyway yeah, so it was free the, the last time and uh, that's yeah, not but, that's uh, not irony that's just bad circumstances. Uh, sorry to burst your irony. <laughs> Twice. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, it's one of those. It's things. like rain on your wedding day. The I, the only ironic <laughs> thing about that song is that nothing she lists is actually ironic. That's right, that's which, what makes that song ironic. Right. Which is uh, right. I was gonna say. Which ironic, is, I'm sure. I think she's probably smart enough. That was on purpose. I don't to think do that it on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if she did it on accident, it's a coincidence. If she did it on purpose, it's ironic. I, that's one of my peeves is, is, and the fact that literally, like literally and ironic now have different definitions but in the dictionary because so many people use not, them incorrectly. Not to be a more set apologist, but on your wedding day, you wouldn't expect it to rain or you maybe hope. But that's not what makes it ironic. Irony I, I, is, is. I thought it's when it defeats your expectations. No, it's when, from your point of view, the opposite thing proves the thing. Something happens that proves, like, proves to the point the opposite of what you wanted. So it would only be, like, if someone. I don't know if we really should get into this. Irony, um, in its broadest sense, is a rhetorical device, literary technique, or event characterized by an incongruity or contrast between what the expectations of a situation are and what is really the case, with a third element that defines that what is really the case is ironic because of the situation that led to it. Right. So the only way it would be ironic is if you chose the day to get married on because you were trying to avoid it raining and then it rained on that day. That might well, be Don't ironic. most people do that? Naturally. I don't so fucking that's... know. I would want it to rain if I was getting married because I like the rain, so I don't think you can make that assumption. Well, you're an outlier. I well, so, <laughs> Which is ironic. Point of view. It's not ironic. So, so one definition says the state of affairs of an event that seems deliberately contrary to what one expects and is often amusing as a result. So you wouldn't expect it to rain because you want clear weather, not not necessarily for you, but perhaps for your guests. Much like having a fly in your Chardonnay. <laughs> right, but it has to have been an expectation. And I then specifically drank the Chardonnay. So, so I think I, I think our whole argument hinges on whether you have an expectation of clear weather. Or yes, you expect yeah. for any day, no, and, and that hit, of course hinges on the time of year and place, geographical yes. location. So her song is not descriptive enough for us to really appreciate <laughs> whether it is in fact okay. ironic. <laughs> so, myth busted. <laughs> okay, so moving that myth on. Is literally busted. 
Uh-huh. Hey, I'll defend uh-huh. literally. I, I will defend literally, partly because I'm just a contrarian like that, but there there is precedent for literally to mean both figurative and literally. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. We'll yes. love this battle after like, the show. Germany. Changing the definition in the dictionary because, I mean, the listed reason being because people are misusing it, so we're going to change it. That's not why you change the definitions of words. It's not they because people are too stupid to use the word up. correctly. Do you ever they say the word bad words words when something's really stupid. cool, Sage? That's different. If it's an obvious mm, slant, like if someone, someone who did uses... at one time. No, no. Someone who uses literally as an intentional slang, like meaning I'm the just, like that's in fact that's sort of ironic usage, I'm but that's saying, fine. Language is fluid; it changes. <laughs> but so people does, who think that literally means sarcastically, not actually literally, that's then you become uh, like the French and do the language police. Does uh, does color me bad actually mean color me good? I don't know. It sex me up. Hmm. I want to cry. <laughs> so sex me up is to hold someone up while you're having sex with them, then. Whoa! I never thought about that. <laughs> Interesting. Don't they have swings for that? <laughs> no. Well, yeah, but that's different. Yeah. <laughs> Blue, stay away from the schoolyards. All right. Okay. Anyway. Ooh. Anyway. Hey, hey, Speaking of schoolyards, so um, monsters ate my birthday cake. Lots of family fun. Unlike other things we were just talking about, and cheap, and it's a good play. And on a tablet, I'm sure it would be even better. I was playing on my little phone, um, but it's it's good. So moving on. So other things that I've been playing on my phone and a much more modern thing, uh, Ingress. You guys know about Ingress, right? I speak English. Ingress. <laughs> oh, sorry. I N G R E S. It came out. So it came out on um, on Droids further back, but then this summer it came out for iPhones. So it sort of hit a resurgence of popularity, and it's uh, it's an augmented reality game. Where you walk around. What I like about it, it's not my typical thing to play augmented reality games. What I like about it is it creates a really good amount of participation with the world around you. I mean, in a legit way. So, like, especially in cities where there are not a lot, there are a lot of off the beaten path places that people haven't gone to yet. The game allows you to go to places where there's an interesting landmark or piece of art or significant historic building, and you can take a picture of the building, and that will be the identifying picture for that location. And you put in a little description, and you submit it. And if they, I mean, it can't be like my my basement; it has to be like real things. So if they approve it, then that becomes a portal, and the whole um, plot line behind the game which is, you know, solid enough considering it's it's sort of based on walking around doing nothing, but is that um, there are these portals that are opening where um, matter is coming through, this energy matter, mm-hmm. and there, it, there are two factions, the resistance and the enlightened. The enlightened believe, because this energy matter is sentient, the enlightened believe that it's these aliens that are coming to help us sort of reform and enlighten ourselves to move on to the next, uh, you know, stage of development. The resistance believe that they're trying to mind control and take over the world, and therefore they need to be resisted. And so, you discover portals that may or may not be um, undiscovered. If you discover a new portal, you lay down um, little—I forget what they're called—but little capture devices. You put down eight. And then the portal is for your faction. You have to pick a faction when you start playing. So you capture portals. When you get three portals that are triangulatable, you can link them together. So when you... you were the skeptical faction. I was the resistance. Yes. Because their logo is a key. Hello. And I wear a key all the time. So I thought... Plus, I'm a rebel. It seemed to fit me, you know? Don't go with the flow. So anyway... um, No discussion of irony on this one. 
Shush. So anyway, uh, it's what's what's cool about. So that's the basic premise, and you hack portals when you find them, and that gives you gear to so you can get capture devices, you can get shields, you can get turrets, and then as you capture portals, they get higher and higher levels. So when you hack them, your gear is higher level, um, and when you make a triangulation between three of them, you've created a um, MP field, and that's supposed to be like a. For the resistance, it's a safety area where people are free from mind control, and for the enlightened, it's a, a bl- enlightened area where people can receive, you know, words from the sky or whatever it is. So it's kind of X Filesy, which I like because um, you're walking around looking at real pieces of art. I started playing, and this is the other thing I like about it. It it's something you can really play well with others, and in fact, a lot of times you need to play with other people to take down like a really high level portal. So there are groups that like you can get on the chat channels, and you'll meet new people in your town who will get together on a Saturday and go take out like a dozen portals together or whatever and you you know what get to bond with people. Wrong? Well, no, I think no, I think it's safe because you're in a hey, public you place. No. I don't think it I mean I haven't well, heard well, any bad stories that way you, but you also said it was, in public. You said it was art, right? So yeah, architecture, buildings, what, what yep. what's, what's fair any, game? Any, anything, anything that is about either the dirtiest toilet in Albuquerque. No. Yeah, no, no. So it has. So they have their guidelines posted. It has to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to Check be mark. either. It has to be either historic, like it's mm-hmm. you know this is the bank building that's been here since 1902, like that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, or it has to be a sculpture. Or it has to. It can't be inside homes. It can't be on right. private property. Okay. It can't be accessible um, to all. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it has to be an area that. And generally, it's not inside of buildings. I don't think I've found any oh, that are yeah. in a building. Okay, so, so the dirtiest outhouse in Albuquerque. It, <laughs> no, not the dirty. I mean, it's, someone it has might been, been there since eighteen. What if right, it's like a foreclosed crack framed home it or the right way. <laughs> well, not the crack home, but the old shit house might work if you framed it the right way. If you're like, this shit house has been here since 1892, maybe they'd be like, oh, okay, good. That's the resistance. Could it be like ground. a strip club or something? No, and the re- no, and the reason and the reason that they have sort of flexible guidelines on that is because so in a city like Chicago, you've got statues and art and and landmarks everywhere, so that's fine. In a city like Santa Fe, you've got a lot of sort of far away places. There's not like a huge city center. There's a lot of sort of spread out kind of things. So a lot of people have done ones that count that are like statue in the middle of this field, and they're like okay because there's not a lot in Santa Fe to begin with. Um, Chalk so line on thing, 54th Street. No, not those kind of things. <laughs> Moving on, it's clear that it's not those kind of things. So, and Blue, to address your concern, because it's all public places, I don't think that it becomes the creepy... Like, the meetups are big. Like, lots of people say, hey, let's all meet up. Or you can do what I did, which is that... Yeah, they do. It's kind of it's a little extra nerdy. I don't go to the meetups. It's It's a little beyond my nerd level. But I did go with a friend... And we've spent, like, there's a couple different days, and then sometimes at night we'll drive around in the middle of the night, like, drinking coffee and hitting portals. And there is kind of an amount of satisfaction because you, you get to know the people in your area, so you kind of have these ongoing battles of, like, oh, MX-25 took my goddamn portal that I've been sitting on for, you know, 20 days and pissed, like... You do get a little bit of friendly, good competition going on between factions, and some people create, you know, MP fields that are like someone made one that was from Taos to Albuquerque. I mean, it was gigantic, and then all the people on the other faction like band together and go take it down. Right. Um, 
So it gets you walking. Like there was one day when I think I walked three miles playing this game because I really wanted to go to all these landmarks and collect all these keys and get the portals. Um, it's a good way to hang out with your friends because you, you know, my friend and I, we walk around, we like chat about shit and we catch up. We look at statues we've never seen before, even though we both live here. We're like, oh, I never noticed this was here. It's it's kind of a cool like, it gets you in touch with your city, even though you're playing a video game. And I like that that crossover exists. It sort of satisfies both an exercise, real world, you know, be aware of your surroundings component while still satisfying the I'm playing a video game component. Mm-hmm. Cool. So it's It's, it's probably cool. not as creepy as, say, E3. As, as, as E3? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think E3's creepy? Yeah. A lot of people there are creepy. Uh, make a I'm, I'm talking about people beyond Sessler. I mean, the guy who looked at my butt was maybe a little. No, I'm just kidding. Um, yeah. No, I. Which one of the fifty? Oh 100. no, I didn't notice fifty. Gross. What's the, what's the uh, one that, that really was staring at you? Uh, Sean Baby. Sean Baby. <laughs> yeah, Who's Sean, Sean Baby? baby? Sean the internet Sean Baby from SeanBaby.com. Yeah, Sean Baby used to write for EGM. Yeah. Yes. A little comedy. He was yeah, he staring was, at. I mean, my if you can call it that. <laughs> right. It, it would be jokes about uh, Phil Collins most of the time. I mean, I try to smile sometimes reading a Sean Baby thing, but yeah, it's like when was he staring at my booty? Oh, he was. He was basically almost walked into you. <gasps> I think Sean was there. Really? He, was the, he was the one. I said, "Who, who the hell is that guy?" And Sean said, "That's Sean Baby." I'm really glad you guys don't tell me these things. <laughs> I don't know the people. That's why we miss Sean. He knows who the people are. Yeah, yeah. Sean did always know who the people yeah, are. He Here's did. Remember he the really guy did. that would make the videos of, uh, what was yeah. his name? I don't know, but I remember Sean pointed him out. Right. Yeah, yeah. Sean, Sean's we need like Sean who's who. <laughs> He's of, like uh, our walking. Yeah, f yeah. celebrities. Guy? Yes, the acapella, yeah. Uh, Smooth McGrew. Smooth yes, McGrew. Jesus, Jeremy, we need you. <laughs> yeah, you gotta. <laughs> also, because all the fangirls apparently want to meet you, so we really need you to come to the next uh, yeah. E3. <laughs> I'm here for you, fangirls. We're going to pimp you out, Jeremy. No, didn't Blue, don't you remember that story? A bunch of them approached Deagle, and they were like, where's Jeremy at E3? I didn't remember that. Nobody yeah. asked about me? Uh, some wrestling fans did. <laughs> there was like this hairy dude dressed like Sailor Moon. He's like, where's Blue? <laughs> <laughs> really specific niche. <laughs> yeah. You hit um, that demo. <laughs> yep. Okay. So anyway, moving on from potentially creepy and non-creepy things. Um, so Ingress is cool and it's free to download. Like there's no reason not to check it out. Um, just don't – some people Ingress and drive and I think that's fine. But if you cannot drive and pay attention to your phone, then don't fucking do that because then you run somebody over. So Yeah, I think the, the official podcast stance is do not Ingress and drive. Yeah. Do not Ingress and yeah. drive. Unless you are just, you have 13 Unless hands. Unless you're ready to passenger. If you're a passenger, that's okay. Oh, yeah, no, right. Like, I would take my friend's phone, and I'd be in the passenger seat, and I'd be like, I got both, and I'd be, like, hacking portals on both phones as we drove. That was pretty good. Yeah, that, that's acceptable. That's acceptable. But, yeah, that's yeah. fine. Okay, so uh, nerdiness done. So the, so what really, I planned on playing a couple of real games, and by real I mean more, like, in-depth, not on my phone games, to talk about. But that plan went out the window because I got so into the game To the Moon um, that I didn't end up playing anything else. So To the Moon is a Freebird game, which actually has a sequel coming out. Is it November 5th, Robert? 
fourth or fifth, one of those days. Yeah, yeah, really soon. So if you if you hear this, you should play To the Moon because then a bird story is coming out and you can play that. That's the sequel. Um, to the Moon came out in 2011 mm-hmm. um, by Freebird Games. It is excellent. It opens up with some very lolly-esque, beautiful RPG kind of music. What? Um, it does. Wow, I'm there. I, th- I thought you'd appreciate that, route. No, I thought of you, because it, it's very, I mean, it's not quite the bathhouse music, but it's very kind of lolly music, and it's really pretty. I mean, Jeremy today already mentioned a game that had, you know, really great soundtrack, the, the Ho-Ho-Cum game. Um, this is another game that the soundtrack totally pulls you in. You can buy the soundtrack separately. Um, it's it's both haunting and, and hopeful. So you've got this... You've got I'm this piano. I know. I knew you would be. You've got <laughs> Say no this, more. I'm already You've got sold. this piano piece that plays through it that the main guy wrote for the for his wife, the main lady, and um, it's it's this really beautiful mix of like hopeful, but there's this undercurrent of doubt and worry. And you, so what the reason it's important is because that song and all the permutations they make of it for different you know areas of the game really um, gives you this sort of subconscious and visceral feeling of things you want them to go well, but you kind of have this feeling they're not going to. And that sets up a really good suspenseful kind of spooky, but not scary spooky, but eerie feel for the game. (laughs) So, um, what's cool is you have different sets of people. So you've got the, the main guy who the idea of the game is that there's this machine and with this machine, they can, um, they can change your memories and by changing your memories, you will have a different uh, idea of your reality. And there's, you know, maybe some problems with it not being great for people because then it creates this conflict between their their artificial memories and their actual memories. Um, so they only do this procedure on people who are near the end of, of their life because they don't want to create that kind of cognitive dissonance that's really bad for you as you're... Um, you guys are distracting me. They don't want to create the. <laughs> hey, they don't I'm want to create the cognitive dissonance. Of one of the video ads on the side. <laughs> they don't want to create the cognitive dissonance that's going to screw with you. So, when people are sort of at the end of their life and they're dying, if they have regrets about how their life has gone, they use this machine. It's a little like Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind that way. They use this machine. They go mm-hmm. and they change your memories, and you think your life was different. So, hooray for everyone. So, this guy has this um, desire to go to the moon. But he doesn't know why. And so the your main characters, Dr. Watts and Dr. Rosaline, uh, have to go back into this guy's memory. His name's John. They have to go back into John's memories and sort of go back to the beginning to try to figure out why he has this huge, you know, yearning to go to the moon. Um, their dialogue is hilarious. She's a very genuine but, like, sort of a sarcastic person in her commentary to him, but ge- very genuine in general. Like, she cares about people's feelings. He's a very smart-ass, I-don't-want-to-admit-that-I-have-feelings kind of person. So they're perfect foils for each other as they're going back through all these memories. People. No, they're great. I want everyone and... to have feelings for me. <laughs> um, and the references are perfect for anyone who's sort of hip to kind of nerdy culture like there are I mean aside from the fact that it feels kind of Doctor Whoey that you're like going back through these memories and time and then they make references like to the TARDIS and the woman's character's name is River so there's a lot of obvious references to current culture like he picks up a book off the shelf and it's called Dusklight and it's about a girl who falls in love with a zombie who when he is hit with sunlight smells like flowers I mean it's very mocking of, of current you know uh, popular pop culture references 
popular pop culture? That's redundant, isn't it? Unpopular yeah. pop culture. That's <laughs> ironic. Uh, that is ironic. <laughs> uh, um, feel-wise, it also is a very brave, lone survivor kind of feel. So for anyone who liked those kind of games, I mean, that's the level of sort of like eerie, you don't know what's going on kind of feeling. As you go back through his memories, you get deeper and deeper um, references to the so memento that way a little bit right you're getting these references to things you already know about but you don't know the why Mm -hmm. what's cool about it is that you know there's not a lot of like action interactiveness um there's a joke about that in the beginning in fact like he sets it up like it's going to be an rpg and he's like i'm gonna fight the squirrel i'm gonna use shoe attack and then these little kids stop him they're like no don't do that that's cruelty to animals and so he decides not to fight the squirrel that's like the only action you see the rest of it is sort of point and click you're going through these memories what keeps it interesting though is that every memory you go to has a different interactive quality. So in one of them, you might be talking to a bunch of different people. In one of them, you might be getting the little keys you need to move forward by exploring a bigger area than usual. In one of them, you might be uh, picking up on little puzzle pieces that are sort of located throughout a room. So it keeps it interesting by by making it a different um, interactive type every time you go into a new memory. Um, so that was a nice surprise because I, I kind of thought it might get a little boring just sort of being point and clicky, uh, but then it really picked up and went in different directions, so that was cool. Um, it has puns, so that, of course, makes me very happy. Um, I'm trying to think. The, the controls, like I said, are really easy. They're point and click. Uh, um, I don't want to talk too much about the plot itself because, you know, spoilers, lots of things. But, um, yes, I think that it's... oh. That's the other thing I was going to say. It's really moving. And I know that I said this about Transistor last week or last podcast, whenever that was. Um, not a weeks. week ago. Last, four, last month. Um, and I, but, I, you know, it's just funny that I've played two moving games in a row because I'm not usually someone who's like, oh, I'm moved by this game. Like, I'm like, oh, it's a good game. It's not a good game. Um, but, like, Transistor, for a different reason, it has very moving qualities to it. And as you're playing it, you get some definite, like, not that you're actually going to cry, but but tear jerker kind of moments. Um, so cry. you might. I mean, it depends how sensitive you are, but um, it's okay if you don't, and I guess it's okay if you do. So, so but it no, literally could be either. <sighs> and then I pulled my brains out through my eye sockets because. Ooh, are you those... going to do that literally or figuratively? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, you should play To the Moon. It is very, very captivating, enough so that I ended up not playing any of their games I planned on playing. Um, The music, I'm moving past your comment, Blue. The music (laughs) is fantastic. The mood is really great. It's a good Halloween game, actually, because it's just eerie enough, but it's not like, you know, if you don't want to play the amnesia, I crap my pants, it's so scary in the dark kind of games, this is a nice eerie without being uh, totally shit your pants scary. You know, I've heard people say that before about To the Moon, but I think I believe you. Oh, I'm really on. I mean, I mean this sincerely. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm really honored because I know how critical you are of of games and reviews. And the fact that you have now taken my anime recommendation and my game recommendation, I'm so pleased. Gross. It's like a new Jeremy. It's like a new Jeremy. Oh, Jeremy, you're like a new man. I'm so Uh, pleased. Um, so, Cue yes. the chiptune Moon, version of Jeremy, Pearl Jam. 16-bit, <laughs> check it out. Uh, any questions? Do you guys have any questions about it? This is ironic. No, not really. 
<laughs> it's not ironic. If we if I, we ask if it's ironic enough, will it become ironic? I don't know, but I will say Do you mean this: iconic I, or <laughs> a lot of the because um, I like to check what people are saying about it when I after I've played a game. I will say this for anyone who wants to play the game and is curious about it. Do not look it up on Wikipedia and and be careful where else you look it up because some sites and Wikipedia have mega spoilers about where this game goes. So if you, if, uh, you know, steam would be a good place to, uh, ha, 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 uh, no, um, but yeah. So be careful of spoilers. That's, what that's the say. thing about Wikipedia. It's like you, you, it's like you know that there's going to be like plot summaries on there, and you kind of just have to eh, okay, fast scroll, one, look to the side. Yeah, but this one's pretty bad, actually. Like a lot of times, you'll find a plot summary that's like pretty, you know, it's okay. This one was like straight up. Here's the deep dark secret, and I was like, why? Like why would you, why do you need to put that on there? Is it I mean, like Wikipedia not have spoiler tags? No, it, Wikipedia so. does not. And I think I've, I think I've gotten spoiled in a couple of weird places too. Like uh, the plot yeah. summary, like Blue says, you can kind of like. I wonder, I wonder why they wouldn't do that. Because it's I don't know. A, they tag everything else. Like I, I, <laughs> like it may I not think have Wikipedia enough. is not that great. Is why I think. Hmm. I mean, I do think that, and then I think this, this is, is one a great of the source of info. But I think it could be improved yeah. in in that respect. Yeah. It's a good source of, of pop culture related info, absolutely. But anything else that's sort of more academic or scientific or, you know, any of those areas, I think it really drops the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. Beca- yeah, because they don't have people yeah. looking at the, at the. Peer review. Yeah. You, you, if you think it can be improved, you can get in there and make a difference. <laughs> That's no, that's true. But then people can sh- no. I Jeremy, I, this is why in college once I got into a whole back and forth thing with someone who put that Hobbes the philosopher was a hobbit from the Shire, <laughs> right. and had this whole he was entry. A tiger. About, they had this whole entry about how he was a hobbit. So I fixed it because I, being a philosophy major and also just hating misinformation, sort of irrationally was like, Grr. so I fixed it. And then we got into this thing back and forth where this person kept changing it back. And then I kept, and I finally gave up. I was like, you know what? If people want to read this and think that's true, then fuck them. I don't care. So, um, is it not true? There's- <sighs> no, it's not true. <laughs> was he a Calvinist? <laughs> that's funny. Um, by the way, did you find the Calvin and Hobbes reference? Speaking of that, in the uh, Sherlock Holmes game, no, I totally overlooked that. Where there was there a- was a when you go to the site with the ruins, one of the little cabins you go into. There's a there's a journal or a book okay. or something, okay. and it's um it's like a teacher talking to Calvin, and they're talking about Hobbes or something like that, and they mention like tuna fish sandwiches, and oh. I I wondered why it was in there. Like I never looked it up because I, I it seemed like such a random. E- <laughs> Easter egg to have Calvin and Hobbes reference in there. That's pretty awesome. Though. Did we did we talk about that besides our review? Should we talk about that? If you want, Sherlock Holmes is awesome. You should play yeah. it. Um, <laughs> that's that's sort of the. I mean, the quick, you know, because I don't want to take too long. The quick and dirty of it, it is it um, might be the best. And I was really surprised recreation of Victorian London that's ever yeah. been implemented in a yep. interactive game. I, I thought they just nailed it like i loved being mm-hmm. in that world mm-hmm. is it uh, is it bodice ripping victorian no, or, it's, no, no or. but it's all the <laughs> it's sorry, all the dirty it's all the just checking parts of old london yeah. that get romanticized away like typically you see so, fancy dress and cobblestones and everything's pretty and they really showed both the elegant right. and the dirty sides it of felt like that. they were burning coal for <laughs> Yeah. years in that game yeah. and just the interior felt you know the interiors of different places they used the uh, unreal engine and just just felt really cool lived in 
It really did. It and, didn't and feel like of, a lot of games you're there and it looks like untouched by anyone. And this one mm-hmm. felt yeah. like, a, like a place that people lived and worked and Mm-hmm. Especially Sherlock's place. Like I liked yeah. that mm-hmm. that it looked cluttered. Like yes. he had all of his stuff there, and I loved all the references to the actual um, written stories yep. that were like on the walls mm-hmm. and you know hidden behind cupboards. And uh, it was they just it, really went all out. In, in they really did the source material. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it felt very Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. I yeah. mean, the only thing the only thing that I thought felt a little different was Watson and Sherlock's dialogue a little bit. I was okay uh, with that. I was okay with it, but it didn't. It was the only thing that felt not just like the stories. Everything uh, else felt just like the books. I was kind and, of ho- hoping for more of a unification between the different, with the six different cases. I was just kind of. Were you? You know, yeah, I like I a felt little that overarching. T- let's tie it all up, kind of thing. And I, I felt thought that they were, way at first. They were very, it felt episodic to me. You know, I, Which I'm see, okay I felt with. that yeah. I felt that way at first, but then I actually thought about it and I liked that it felt like separate episodes as I kept playing because it gave me the opportunity to like get up, go do something, come back to it the next okay. day and not feel like I had left the story behind. Okay. Um, I just wanted to wrap it up and maybe some closure on the game. Yeah, what kind of bothered me actually was how at the end they sort of, it seemed like they sort of last minute tried to make it a coherent yes, thing. Yeah. And they were like, by the way, here's this big political diatribe. Make right. this huge politics changing decision on this last case right. that is going to actually impact. Um, so that felt a little ham fisty at the end mm-hmm. and, and not necessary kind of. Sure. But I think, I think that's probably why they did it is because they were like, oh, we don't have a lot of cohesion. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's make it all. It was, it was always about this. You just didn't notice. <laughs> Um, but yeah, the, the stories were great and I loved, I, you know, the fact that it didn't really make much of a difference doesn't bother me so much because I liked how, um, your decision morally at least changed the end, the end video, the end cutscene, mm-hmm. even if it didn't change other people's reactions. Yeah. Cause they Which told they us that it was going to. Yeah, exactly. They told and us then how I, other so people would react to, to you. But right. I was thinking about that, and that, and that would might if you were too, if you put too many people, the wrong people, uh, aside, that could potentially be a game breaker, right? Because yeah. then they wouldn't want to talk to you. You can interview, and that would kind of shut things down. But you think? I mean, you think that navigated against that? They know. could have they could have put in a, a feature or something where, like, if the cops stop talking to you, then you have to pick the locks right. and break into Scotland Yard or something, mm. or you have to like sneak in in a disguise. Or you yeah, have to... that's kind of moving away too far from Sherlock Holmes. A, a little bit, mm. um, but I did like <laughs> that you could. I always liked the Sherlock Holmes that was wrong all the time. <laughs> Were you? No, I'm kidding. Oh, <laughs> not at all. I see. I got I got it's all of them, wrong. and I like that you could be wrong and move forward. I got all of them right, yeah. but I. But I, I mean, partially because I felt this way and then on a couple of them because I wanted to see what would happen, mm-hmm. I absolved everybody mm. because I wanted to see if Lestrade would be like, so it seems like we have a lot of strangely resolved cases, but he never commented on it at all. He was never like, so that guy, you know, what happened to him? He just sort of was like, dope Joe, you're Sherlock. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you but turn yeah. it into Les Mis, the game? I turned it into Les Mis, the game a little bit. London Les Mis. <laughs> yes. English lame is. Um, but yeah, I think that it's it's another one of those games that everyone should absolutely like buy to the moon and buy Sherlock Holmes and download English for free. Yeah, I uh, hope it's doing well. Yeah, I do too. It's really great. I mean, I think people should get into it. If you like detective games at all, or if you like Sherlock at all, yeah. or if you like London at all, like it, it's a game that will please you. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So maybe that's all there is to say about it. Yep. Elementary. Elementary. Blue, you're up. Hey, that's. Oh wait, no, I'm not gonna say it. Not gonna say it. I always, I always seem to say that. <coughs> uh, so I got on a bit of a classic collection uh, kick recently. Uh, first, uh, I'll mention this one briefly since I haven't spent quite as much time with it, is uh, the Sly Cooper collection on PS oh, yeah. Vita. Yeah. I mean, recently, Best Buy had it on sale for 10 bucks. It's criminal. Yeah, I mean, I was kind of wanting to get it, but I just never really got around to it. And when I saw it for 10 bucks, I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Best $5 Best Buy gift card and, you know, five bucks after that. I mean, yeah, that's definitely coming home. And uh, basically what it does is, you know, it's an HD remaster. So, you know, the game's been given the HD remaster treatment. Um, you know, they're, they fill up the entire Vita screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, basically it's the first two games are on the game card mm-hmm. because they couldn't fit all of it on like a 4 gig card. And uh, Sly 3 is a 2.8 or 2.9 gigabyte download. I think it's like mm-hmm. 2.8 something or whatever. Um, and basically for, um, uh, for the Vita, they re- I've only been playing Sly 1 because I never really played through the trilogy to begin with. Um, but, uh, for Sly 1, uh, the graphics look really good on Vita. And I think that's because, uh, the Sly Cooper games are kind of stylized. It's not mm-hmm. quite cell shaded, but it's kind of like a 3D polygon cartoonish look to it. And it, holds up pretty well on vita i must say mm-hmm. it's not like i you know really look at it and it's uh, it, that just doesn't look really good and mm. and i think that um i think you can probably find a couple of examples where you know with some of the other hd remasters where maybe that wasn't the case um the i know with the ratchet and clank one of the problems was the conversion went well. It was much better than the uh, Jackson, uh, Jack and Daxter. Um, but the cinematics, whenever they showed them, it totally changed the screen ratio, and they were super pixelated. Oh, mm. and it, it, it almost took me out of the experience. Well, on the you know, Vita they... specifically is there a? I didn't realize <laughs> is there a Ratchet and Clank collection on the Vita. The uh, think... the what the PS3. Oh, oh, okay. The PS3 version. I know. I know with um, HD. With Sly, yeah, with, with uh, Sly Cooper, I know they uh, like the um, like the in between stage cutscenes. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are kind of cropped and aren't stretched all the way out. Um, well, the thing is that the cutscenes in that are like comic book panels, right? So within Ratchet, yeah. it would be like video versions yeah. of the polygons mm-hmm. at the time. So you can't upres that. If they still had the code, they could potentially upres that. You know, re- recreate those. Which said, I, probably they didn't, I guess. No. Which is why it's well, which is funny. why it's right. what it yeah. Which is why it is what it is. But uh, so blue. Uh, if and, I say dig that voodoo, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, dig that voodoo. Dig, dig, dig uh, that, that, that. Voodoo Vince. That's uh, <laughs> Ms. Ms. Ruby. Oh, uh, yeah. The I, alligator I'm, boss who does yeah, a, yeah, like Yeah, I'm just a, c- coming back up to that part. I, I played through Sly 1 a little bit. Uh, or actually, I think I played through most of it earlier this year, but I, you know, I never really finished it up because I knew the collection was coming up, and I, yeah, maybe I'll double dip on it and play it there. Um, but uh, I, I'm, I'm still working on... Um, oh, God, what is it? Um, 
It's the second boss, and I can't for some reason I'm spacing on there his name. There's one that's a bullfrog. There's one that's a dog. A yeah, it's the dog, and I can't remember. So his you're name. so you're oh, in the oh, Las mugshot, Vegas mugshot. levels. That's actually Utah. Yes, right? yes, it's um, that's really what Utah is like. <laughs> it has a whole lot of cars without tires. Yeah, and they're all on like these weird plateau things, like hovering in the middle of everywhere with neon signs all around. Yep, it's pretty much like it is here. <laughs> um, well, uh, with with Sly, um, was that the one? Sly what was his name? Mugs, mugshot, mugs, mugshot. Yeah, he mugshot. just said mugshot. Yeah, yeah, and um, you know, I mean, I gotta say, it's it works really well on Vita. Uh, the controls have been adjusted a little bit because it doesn't have the L2 and R2 buttons, which mm-hmm. is kind of odd because they do mention them in the audio at one point. I don't know <laughs> if it was like a... It, but it, here's the thing. It's like, you know, they leave in the mention about L2 and R2, but at the same at the same time, they also put in a mention about touchscreen control for uh, the binoculars. It's like you attach, uh, you tap the like lower left corner to bring up the goggles, or mm-hmm. you know, so you can zoom in, whatever. And I believe they mentioned something about the touchscreen on it, which was kind of weird that they would record that kind of a line, but still leave in the one that mentions L two and R two. Well, Sly, <laughs> you just have to make sure to hit the touchscreen. That's a really good Bentley. <laughs> Yeah, that's <laughs> damn good. You've been, you've been rehearsing, Jeremy. <笑>あの、<笑>あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの、あの
I've played some farm sims before, but uh, this one it is not. Uh, you do have to worry about pumping your chickens, your pigs, and your cows with uh, hormones, feed, antibiotics. But the game, uh, or at least that part of the game, is a little bit more of a puzzle. Because every stage starts with a very minimal amount of money. And soon you have multiple processions of livestock that just start pouring in. Uh, the general solution is to juice them up with the hormones first, and then you create these dispensaries of feed and water uh, along the path. Because the the poor creatures, they're, li- they're pretty fragile, and death, <laughs> death can, tends to contaminate the area. So you have this little cartoonish skull and uh, kind of vapors going around. Uh, so, so many people in the press uh, are calling Fat Chicken a tower defense or, like Anomaly, a tower offense var- variant. And I think on the surface that, that is correct as you mentioned, uh, animals emerge from their stalls, and instead of inducing injury, you're pelting them with chemicals and, and corn feed uh, in an effort to increase their weight. So when they hit the slaughterhouse at the end of the level, uh, they're, they're you know nice and hefty there. Uh, so every stage has <laughs> three goals, um, and two are fairly obtainable, and the final one is pretty cruel. Uh, not only do they set a really pretty high weight. Pretty cruel? Why? What happened? Well, not only do they set like a really high weight threshold, like I need 4,000 pounds of meat, but they also put a cap on the number of towers <laughs> wow. you can build. And so you can only build like eight towers. So very mean, relevant games, because that kept me restarting levels like a madman. Um, so you so, basically have to feed them and you have to keep care of them. Well, you make it sound so simple, but it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's actually re- pretty tough. So, given the premise, you might think that the game sounds horribly barbaric. Um, but it, but it's really. Oh, it looks really cute. Though. Yeah. No. Well, the funny thing is, it's good satire. Uh, it doesn't shock. And in fact, except for the term "murder bucks" for currency, it's totally innocuous. There, there's no <laughs> blood. There's not a single drop of blood. And instead, you have this, these cubish kind of cute animals that only get cuter as they walk along these winding paths and get fatter as they you know go. Yeah, and then you eventually kill them. Yeah, well, you don't really see that. <laughs> you know, it's much like McDonald's. You don't you don't see the slaughterhouse oh, or anything. Oh, no, even. <laughs> yeah, so, on the downside, as I mentioned, the game can be hard. Uh, right about the fifth level, uh, things get pretty hard. So, every goal gives you, um, gives you stars, and those can be applied to a tech tree of sorts, which do things like improve the effectiveness of your equipment and then your farm hands uh, that, you know, that prod the uh, livestock around. And unlike most tower defense games, you really have to struggle to to complete each level. You really have to think about, okay, what is it I need to do here? So there's a lot of, you know, kind of restarting. Uh, So what happens if you don't meet your quota? That's it. You, you have fail. to restart? Yeah, you fail. And a couple of times I did that. Because what happens is every once in a while you hit a chain reaction. Uh, and so one cow dies and that leaves the, the cloud and then they're contaminated. And then you see a little icon, they need antibiotics. And it just, <laughs> wow. things things go to shit real quick. <laughs> cow shit, horse shit. Uh, things go downhill really uh, quickly. Uh, one of the things you, you can do. And I, I see a lot of... Is, you know, it possible, t- is it possible to overfeed the, the stock? No, 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 no. The, you want to get them as fat as possible. Well, every once in a while, you know, there's so much going on, you don't really know. And every once in a while, they die, and I couldn't figure out really why they died. So maybe they overate. I, I don't <laughs> Probably know. Probably. Or they, they forgot to drink water or, you know, it, there's a lot of things that can kill them. They're, they're fragile creatures. Um, I'm really worried about Belle now. N- no. No. <laughs> 
She has a very limited amount of food that she gets every day and plenty of water, all the water she can drink. Um, so one of the things, a lot of tower defense games, they have variable play speed. And most of that is just to bypass the monotony. But here, actually, you, you every once in a while, you want to slow things down. Uh, because there's some levels, one of the things that they force you to do is teleport towers around the play field. So at the beginning, you, you barely get any money. And then you have your, your hormone. And there'll maybe two streams where the, or two little areas paths where the cows are coming from. So you have to teleport that. Uh, oh, did I mention there's money also... Or something? Yes, everything costs money. Everything yeah. is murder bucks. Um, and then when the UFOs come to steal your livestock and you have to build turrets, things get really tough. So, did I mention there's UFOs in there? One question I have about the yes. game, I read something on Steam about having aliens. Is it, are there aliens too well, in the game? Those are the guys that drive the or that fly the UFOs. Yeah, there are aliens in there. And so they're kind of a menace. They're, they're not fun. Like, you, as if your hands weren't full enough, they threw, they threw in UFOs. And so uh, those are, I, I guess they add a little bit of combat because, you know, there's something satisfying about, you see a health bar in their spaceship, oh, and yeah, you see that whittled, sure. whittled away <laughs> down to nothing. So that does give the, you know, the whole combat element there. Um, but as hard as it is, um, I always felt that there's a solution that was just in reach. Uh, maybe I had to tweak my strategy or something like that, uh, which kind of brings me back to the whole puzzle game comparison. So uh, instead of being cheesy and saying fat chicken is poultry in motion, I won't go there. And sure it is. Well, no. I, you know what I will say? That it was a dairy good PC title with a sly message. Wow. You, you just like had that? to. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to throw that fun in. Just had to, yes. So let me also talk about Greywalker's Purgatory, the game that you uh, played for a little bit. Uh, so one of the things, I've always loved this strategy role-playing genre. Um, sometimes when it's on PC, they call it the tactical role-playing games. Um, when they're good, uh, games like Disgaea, Phantom Brave, Final Fantasy Tactics, XCOM, those are some of my favorite games. And when they're not so Actually good... Actually inspired by those. Yeah, yeah. And when they're not so good, uh, Arma Tactics was a huge disappointment. And I, I love the Arma <laughs> franchise, but when it went turn-based, it should have been brilliant, but it was awful. Uh, and uh, to a lesser extent, uh, Anti-Squad Tactics, um, which I bought recently on Android. I, I, you know, I buy them anyway, and I spend hours just analyzing where they went wrong. Um, Dreamlord Digital's Greywalker's Purgatory looks like it has, it could potentially be in that first camp of games that I really like. Um, so I played the Alpha deck. Demo, and there is a, a lot um, of potential there. So the game story is around uh, centers around thirty six characters called Grey Walkers, and they are caught in this realm that blends heaven, hell, and earth. Um, occasionally in the Bermuda Triangle, uh, occasionally in a uh, place that looks like Las Vegas, and uh, so players assume the role of a, pro of a protagonist that's prophesized with bringing unity to this territory. Territory. Uh, a few things I like. Character design seems really well done. Uh, really, really, yeah. Well done. The, the characters. There, there's a couple that blend Eastern and Western archetypes really well. So there's a Shibuya style schoolgirl outfitted with shotguns. <laughs> Your favorite, of course. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> Every once in a while, you come across a game. And you say they made that for me. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's probably why they contacted you for it. Like, oh, okay. That's probably why we, <laughs> we should have named her, gave, gave her a certain name. Um, <laughs> nice lolly name. Anyway, uh, gameplay in the alpha demo, promising uh, players, they, they start 
uh, moving a party of six characters to fight in one uh, one half of the demo, this giant demon. And there's like he, a greed area. Yeah, and then a, a team of imps, uh, and then there's a graveyard that's uh, full of foes in another. Even more for foes um, kind of you know, seep out of the uh, back of the cemetery there. Um, the fundamentals. I know to just, just love that demon boss. Which right one? There. The big demon? Yeah, the first one I'm like, man, I'm <laughs> fighting this huge boss already. And Two shot dead. <laughs> yeah, don't even mess with him. That's just to show you that, uh, yeah, how weak and feeble you are. Um, so anyway, the, the fundamentals are in place. Uh, the character art looks good. Animations were solid. And well, one of the things I liked is there's a nice range of options. Um, you can do things like, uh, you know, there's a chance to perform a regular attack. Or one character, he had a, a cheap shot, which had a chance to do greater damage against males. Uh, unfortunately, the animation, it's a haymaker instead of a nutcracker. I would have liked to seen that, like just kind of a low shot. Um, but <laughs> generally, the battles they play out fairly quickly. Um, it, but the one thing is, although this may be my taste, there's a little bit of too much tit for tat minor damage, um, which makes the which conveys feather slaps instead of potent weaponry. So it's just like, yeah, I'm hitting him with a, um, you know, like an M16, but I have to hit him five, six times in order to kill him. But hey, I guess there. They're demons, right? This is one thing I really, really like about the project is the music. Yeah, yeah, the music and the art and the art. Uh, Was what a highlight. Yeah. So tell me about Ponchito. Oh, (laughs) well, I recently discovered this game. It's called Poncho. Um, I believe it was about last month. There's this tiny studio called Delve Interactive. Um, they share with the world the story of this little pixely guy named Poncho. Uh, well, the Kickstarter unfortunately did not get funded. They're still on green light and, you know, they can use everyone's vote. Okay, well, the story about Poncho, it's about the end of humanity. There is absolutely nothing left but robots. And they start eventually behaving like humans. So forming communities, you know, and surviving at the best of their capacities. Now they're all left alone in the world. The purpose of this game, if I remember correctly, it is for you to find the answers of your existence, as you know, as you get to explore wow. and search for your maker. Yeah, it's actually, you know, the story behind the, the, the project is really interesting. About the gameplay, that's Coco. See, Coco even liked the game, too. About the gameplay. He's looking for the meaning of life as well. <laughs> yeah, he, he's, he's barking in approval. About the gameplay, um, Poncho is a platformer that allows you to explore a beautiful open-world puzzler and a journey to find, you know, whoever made you. It is a 2D environment. Uh, it kind of provides some sort of 3D gameplay because you get to move across layers in, in and out of the backgrounds. It is quite fun. I found it a little bit unforgiving at times. But, like, um, for example, it's like you can jump from a, from a plane to another in order to, you know, get a key or, or get a gem or, or something like that. And, you know, sometimes when you do miss or when you do you know, incorrectly jumped into the... You can actually fall into your death as well. Hmm. Personally, I can say that moving in and out of the backgrounds kind of gave the puzzles a different kind of complexity. You know, it's, it's complicated, but it's also very entertaining, you know. And the gameplay, of course, quite interesting as you actually get to explore in all these kind of different realms. Surprisingly, one of the few things that call my attention is that there doesn't seem to be many levels, at least in the demo that we got to play. Um, you just appear in the center of the screen, and you just decide where to go. You can go to the right, you can go to the left. Either way, it doesn't really matter. You get to explore, and you get to make your own story this way. There's not really a linear path to go there. You get to 
do kind of like a lot of exploring and, and you know and just from the demo alone you can actually get to understand that you know the more content you get to find from the game there's a lot more to explore and a lot of time to gameplay uh, another thing that I did enjoy very much about this was the artwork it's all pixely it's beautiful from the character design to the areas, one of the things I appreciated the most was this fading and fade out they've got in the levels. Like sometimes you're just getting off the screen and it's just like <coughs> fading into black. It's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the characters uh, have got, I think, you know, even though they're little robots and they don't really have much of a detail, they have a lot of personality. And I kind of appreciate the artistic direction they decided to take for the game. Let's see what else. I, the Can music. I just say I really like the idea? There's something about robots trying to understand who they are and their place within the world by searching for their creator. Like I really, really I like, like that idea. the concept. I, yeah. I completely agree. I like the concept. And one of the things that I like the most is that you can interact with everything you, you run into. Mm-hmm. Every single robot you find across. And they're giving you... I like the dialogues they provide as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, you know, regarding what the game is all about. And yeah. it's, it's cute... And the fact that you actually get to play as a robot that has probably a lot of soul. Mm, yeah. It's really cute. More than most the music, people. I will agree with that too. <laughs> <laughs> the music is quite enjoyable as well. There's pure retro whimsical magic. And I really hope eventually they get to have the soundtrack available for purchase because I would love to have it as well. One last thing I thought I would like to share is that, you know, as I mentioned before, it's kind of sad to see that they did not make the crowdfunding goal. However, and happier news, I did read recently that they are they were picked up by a publisher, so they are going to continue with the game. So that's why it's so important, you know, to support this indie studio and hopefully we get to see more of their talent ahead. Yeah, that sounds awesome. The demo is available. Anybody can go ahead and, and download it. We're probably going to have it on the show notes. Yeah. The docs approve. <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> Sound like they were getting aggressive. If you don't download it, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bite your ankle. Cool. Okay. You convinced me. I think I'm, I may download it right now. You should. Emotive robot. I like that. <laughs> you know what I liked that reminded me of? Knack for the PS4. I know nobody liked that game, especially the plot. I was very but, surprised that that game got a lot of mixed reviews. I did see on my Twitter feed people who loved it and people who just completely disliked it. I totally love the relationship between uh, I thought it was actually a good game. Yeah, it was super cool. Was, you know, old school platformer, but I did not expect to like the plot. And I was like, wow, this is really cute and endearing. So, Kinda. Hats off to those robots in, I don't know what Knack was, beans made of <laughs> material. <laughs> Anyways, go ahead. Go ahead and check out Poncho because it's a really it's a really interesting project. Yes. Okay. Are we done? Yes, we are done. No. Unless you have something else to talk about. Yeah, we need more games, I guess. Yeah. Do you want to take some? This is this is an awful way to close the (laughs) segment. (laughs) So Sai promises to play more games. (laughs) So do you. You're supposed to play more games too. My excuse you're is... Gonna, I, you're going to blame it on me. No, no, puppy father. Pizza no go to, 
our mailbag, a question from Sai. You might know her from Indie Outlook. And she asks, okay, serious question for all co-hosts. Favorite indie game of 2014 so far? Play more indie games. Sure, sure he knows mine. Terahedron. Well, tell the rest of us. Terahedron. Yes. And tell us Terahedron. why. Why? I gushed yes. about it on the last episode. It's just a, a, you know, you guys probably know I love the tower defense genre. And that mm-hmm. one just takes it in, in a different direction. One of the things you can do is have these different uh, devices, these connectors, um, that move out in four and six different directions. And so you can just build these walls of death in the game and it's just really amazingly well done it's in 3d and it works and it uh looks phenomenal uh when i first looked at the screenshots i thought well just you know geometric it seems really sterile but once you start playing it oh my god it just got hooked night after night i'd stay up and try trying to beat uh, i think it was like the seventh or eighth level really fun cool terry uh, nice. i think it's a uh, one one developer game uh, gentleman in the UK, Dan, Dan Games. At and Dan Games is the Twitter. It does look pretty simple, but it's, it... It uh... does, but there's some graphical flourish. Uh, one of the things you unlock is like a laser. Uh, and when the lasers shoot the little, you know, geometrical cubes, it gives this really nice kind of rainbow effect. And the, the simplicity, um, the, the different shapes, the geometrical shapes, tell you how strong they are. So, for instance, uh, tr- uh, pyramids are not so strong but uh dodecahedrons are are you know somewhat stronger and then by the color you can tell how the the uh, also the strength that makes sense yeah so so it's actually really functional in many ways huh. word <laughs> mm-hmm Word. I'm well, I mean, I don't know what else to word. say, but I, you know, I think Terahedron though is one of those things you kind of have to see. Yo, like, no, no, you have to play. You have to your really powers play. of description. Yeah, yeah. It, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's yeah, it is difficult. So I did a poor job. But I'm sorry, guys. Cool. I let you down, Gordon Jeremy. No, no, no. No, it's awesome. You did great. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. All right, well, Jeremy. So, what's your favorite indie game of 2014? Uh, my favorite indie game probably is going to be Shovel Knight. I think mm. uh, that's getting a lot of good review and for good reason too. I mean, it's uh, in, I guess in the way that Terrorhedron is new and innovative, Shovel Knight is not really uh, for the most part. It just does what it does really well as uh, you know, the best Mega Man game that's been produced probably since I don't know Mega Man, Mega Man, yeah, <laughs> like four, some Mega Man three or. Four. Um, and it, and it does like clever little things, but it, it's just a really well done mm-hmm. platformer in the style of those kinds of platformers. And it's just, it's just good. I missed those guys by a few minutes. I was at uh, game dude a couple of weeks ago and then, oh, they, yeah. uh, what's his name? Sean, Sean Velasco. Was it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yacht. What was it? Yacht games. Yacht club. Yacht club. Yacht club. And then, uh, uh, I was heading home, and I saw that he tweeted right outside of the... <laughs> it's this big used game mecca. <laughs> he was <laughs> tweeting, trying to avoid you. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe I was big... trying to avoid him. Yeah, like... <laughs> Favorite indie game, To the Moon? Uh, well, but that's not of 2014. You gotta that's say it like of... uh, the Honeymooners, Jeremy. To the Moon! <laughs> One of these, One of these to the moon. days... Um, bang zoom, right. Um, I, you know, there is a game out called The Stomping Land, which is all about dinosaurs. Um, (laughs) 
No, you know, I have a lot of indie games of 2014 I would like to play, but have not. I've been pretty broke this year. And I know that indie games are typically not that much money, but, like, I have the zero money. So, um, but some of the ones I'm interested in checking out are, like, Rain World and Undertale and Shovel Knight I want to check out and Don't Kill Her, um, which is, like, the surreal, weird, creepy-looking one. Um, so there's, I'm try. I don't think I've played any that have actually come out this year. I'm trying to think, but so if I, I think of any, I'll, I'll interject, but I don't think I've played any that are actually of 2014. Um, I think I, I'm sitting here glancing at my Vita while, uh, while we've been talking and I think I have a couple of possible contenders as far as indie game goes. Um, uh, the first one I'll mention is a, a very small title that kind of flew under a lot of people's radar. I think this came out this year, and if not, I've got two backups in reserve. <laughs> um, uh, Flying Hamster HD, HD, excuse me. Did any of you um, play that? I think. Well, Flying Hamster was originally a PlayStation Mini. Was uh, it a- yeah, I mean, Flying Hamster HD is probably a different skew, so it probably counts. But I think Flying Hamster technically came out like three years ago. That probably would not surprise <laughs> oh, me. Jeremy. Sorry. I mean, <laughs> what guys, are, well, I, can I interrupt you? Did you guys play Vertical Drop Heroes HD? Negative. Mm, really fun little game. Okay, move, mm. move on. Mm. All right. Um, I think this also qualifies as an indie title, and I'm pretty sure this came out this year. Uh, TXK, the remake yes. of Tempest 2000, um, um, exclusively, exclusively on Vita. Um, that, that game is pretty pretty fucking addictive i remember uh <laughs> i remember sitting there sitting in the car um fiddling around with uh txk for about half an hour 45 minutes waiting for uh fourth of july fireworks to start and it was a it really sucked me in and i think i i want to say it was um i want to say it was only like 10 bucks or something or seven bucks or eight. something like I that i believe it launched at eight was it eight bucks? Yeah, uh, and, I feel like it was more expensive than that, but I think it's been on a few sales since then. Yeah, it might have. Oh, okay. I mean, that's that's one game that if if it qualifies as an indie title, that's probably it for me. Um, Jeff Minter, either one that man, or one man developer. I was gonna say that dude is weird. Weird he, in a great way. We need more. Uh, yeah, he's pretty weird in a great the way. Yak? Yeah. What is his? <laughs> I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> And if not that, uh, maybe uh, picks the cat. I, I I hate to say it, Cy. Forgive me, Cy. Forgive me. Uh, but um, I really don't play as much indie games as I probably should. Blue ejected. Failure. TKO. <laughs> Monster kill. I'll just throw one last one out there. Bro Force. Oh yeah, totally. Bro Force. Ooh. Hey, yeah. what about Super Time Force? No. No, <laughs> no, that was quick. Bro, Bro Force is what I'd rather be playing. With. Really? So when I, I play I, that, I think, why isn't this game more like Bro Force? You know what? The idea of Super Time Force though is so genius. Oh yeah, no, I love, I love the uh, the idea. I just not really having fun when I'm playing it, and, and it has to do with the whole time thing. Like I get kind of worried when I play it, and the time ticking <laughs> in kind of freaks me out. It's like high stress, right? Game. So right on. Good question. Yeah. Okay. Trivia time. Trivia! Number one, this week sees the re-release of Pokemon Puzzle Challenge, the GB Color title. 
Oh, yeah. It was originally released back in 2000. Like previous releases in the franchise, the game offered a number of unlockables. Name the one that never actually existed. A, a super hard mode was unlocked after the completion of hard mode. B, blistering speed was unlocked in marathon mode. C, pokeball plus minigame was unlocked after beating the challenge mode. Or D, Players unlocked gym leader portraits as, after successfully defeating each rival. You know, I was almost sure that you were going to put in there something about unlockable panels for, like, Pikachu panty, you know. Jesus. Am I that stereotypical, so, Jeremy? So that's, am, I, am I that predictable? I, so that's well, the, I did that's roll my the other, that's the other giveaway, okay. Wait, Golden Zone. If I, you I'm writing can... this down. Pikachu panties. Okay. <laughs> no, I was going to say, if any of the fans send us fan art that is lollies mixed with Pokemon, I think Robert will give you, like, oh, no. all of his love. All of his, yeah, all of his nosebleeds are for you. <laughs> You're going down a wrong path. Don't go. Uh, uh, I'm going to go with portraits. Gym leader portraits. Okay. I guess I'll go with that. Now, uh, is it Pokemon Puzzle? Is, it, is that kind of like a Puzzle Tetris Jones. attack? Or, uh, yeah, I think... okay. Isn't it like Panel to Pawn? Yeah. yeah. I think that was actually on the uh, Nintendo 64 back in 2000? Mm, might have been, yeah. I think it was, yeah. I never picked it up, but I but uh, how I always had my eye on it because it was like Tetris Attack, one of the greatest puzzle games of all time. Yeah. <laughs> so um, Stop was... giving me that garbage. <laughs> when you kill I the other will... person with garbage. Yeah, that was good. Uh, yes. Uh, oh, my God. Yeah, we call that stuff different things. Have you guys ever talked oh. to anyone who called it something different, like taking a dump on someone? Yeah. Or... Yeah. It is interesting. Somebody should investigate, like, all the different the names. linguistic variants. For... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of what? You, you've uh, seen of... that map of what people call soda across the United States? Yes. <laughs> what, what do you exactly. call that? <laughs> garbage mode, taking a dump. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Hmm. <laughs> I'm going to agree with Jeremy on the character portraits. Okay, Sage. What? Uh, A and B sound legit to me. What was C? Pokeball plus minigame. What would, what would that be? Well, you, you can't ask that. You just have to decide which one. <laughs> yeah, you can't ask. What does that mean? Can't, I can't You can't pick answer the question with the question. That's not allowed. Nobody says, Alex, uh, tell, tell me a little bit more about this one. I'm gonna go with that one. The Pokeball. The the weird vague Pokeball mini thingy. I'm gonna go with that one. See. You would be correct. Good job. Yes. Isn't that ironic? Cause the no, it isn't. Because they're, they're all about those character portraits, so that sounds like something yeah. that would be in there. Good, good thinking. Number two, this week. Like, this week there's an Alanis Morissette like anime drawing out there that we could use as podcast cover art. Oh, God, probably. Uh, uh, I'm working on it right now, but it looks like Pikachu. Uh, number two this week <laughs> also sees the release of a little game called Call of Duty Advanced Warfare. Identify the completely fallacious fact about the game. A, it's the first Call of Duty game to not see a release on a Nintendo platform since 2009's Modern Warfare 2. B, it's the first Call of Duty game that's based on a three-year development cycle. Previous games were on a two-year cycle. C, the game does not use a traditional heads-up display. Instead, information such as the number of rounds of ammo in the current magazine and health level is conveyed via audio-based cues. Or D, this is the first Call of Duty since Call of Duty 2 that used a new 
engine. That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I write, I I write the trivia that makes the whole world sing. It's like, I know. <laughs> um, maybe. No, actually, um, let me read Jeremy's mind. Call of Duty? Who gives a shit? Yeah, right. <laughs> Playing Super Mario Land. Can we too. just talk about Madden and get this what? over with? Robert, I'm so sorry, but what was the first one? Uh, it's the first Call of Duty game to not see release on a Nintendo platform since 2009's Modern Warfare 2. Damn, there's like these are really I'm, good options here. We're, we're looking for the one that is false or true. Yes, false. That's false. I'm gonna go oh. with the Nintendo platform. Okay. I had missed that it was a false question. Um, <laughs> I was like, yes, it's a new engine. Uh, or false in your assumption that it was fact. false. Mm. Uh, I think. I'm gonna say I, okay, I think it's the interface, the audio interface. Okay. I think that's too complicated. That would not work. I'm going that I, I I must say that does sound logical, but I think I'm going to say with a uh, three year development cycle instead of two because that is just not Activision's way. Great dancer, Jeremy got it. Damn. Yes. Yes. It is an actual variant. They have a hologram images on the screen, but they don't use sound. That, but it came out for Nintendo. Uh, you, no, it's not coming out for Nintendo. That was my answer. That is true. It's the first Call of Duty game to not see a release on a Nintendo platform. Oh, I thought you were saying, oh, see, I made Jeremy's mistake, but then continued to make it because your double <laughs> negatives confused me. Womp, womp. <laughs> womp, womp. <laughs> oh, Foghorn. Okay, number three. This week, well, Rocksmith right, 2014 makes its way into next-gen systems, challenging players to master the chord progressions of Thunderkiss 65. You might know the song. It's been a few games and movies. Name the property, which did not did not have the White Zombie song in it. Is it A, Ooh, this is... Guitar Hero Smash Hits, B, Rock Band 3, C, Way of the Warrior, D, Twisted Metal 3, or E, because of Halloween, Bride of Chucky? <laughs> Ooh! Oh! Oh! Ooh! 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 Um, You're okay. right there. I know. I know the answer. I know the answer. Mm-hmm. The I game that it, it hasn't probably, appeared in. Yes, has not. I, I think it had probably been played out by the time Rock Band Three came around. I'm going to say it was not in Rock Band Three. Okay. Now, are you including DLC with that? Yes. What? Wait, Robert, say the games again. I'm sorry, names. I'm so bad with names. Guitar Hero Smash Hits and. Any optional deal DLC, Rock Band Three, any optional DLC, Way of the Warrior, pre DLC, <laughs> Twisted Metal Three, or Bride of Chucky. No DLC. On that one. Bride yeah. of Chucky is a game? No, I, I was joking about that. Oh. It's a DLC. <laughs> it's a Halloween joke. I get it. <laughs> Leprechaun. Um In the hood. Way of the Warrior, maybe? Okay. Sure. You naughty dog you. <laughs> now this this question I'm pretty sure I know the answer to. Because one of Thunder the... Thunder 65 is your phone ringtone. Thunder, yeah, it, I wouldn't doubt it. It's no. been at one point. Um, <laughs> Twisted Metal 3 wow. had Rob Zombie songs, but I do not believe it had Thunder Kiss because I think, it, well, like, I, like uh, you said, it's one, or a white zombie song, and I think that game only featured uh, Rob, Rob's, uh, Rob Zombie songs from... What would have been uh, Hellbilly Deluxe's first album around the time? And that that game, as bad as it is looked back upon, mm-hmm. has 
that was actually the the game that made me go out and buy my first album. And that was, of course, Hellbilly Deluxe by Rob Zombie. Hmm. That's that pretty definitive to me. And so I got to give it to you, Blue. I <laughs> thank you. You convinced me. It was way the warrior, but no, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Twisted Metal Three. Twisted Metal Three. Yes. I, it, that that uh, game had uh, Super Beast, Meet the Creeper. Okay, no extra credit. And... Meet the Creeper. Huh? Oh crap. Uh, I think uh, that was the Minecraft song. Dragula. Dragula. Yeah. <laughs> okay, this week Atlas puts players into the Oxfords of the Vice President, who recruits people with various specialties to help fight his turn-based battles. I want you to name the game. Is it A, Fighting Mad Joe Biden? B, Rated R for Gore? C, Cheney's Chain Gun Massacre? D, Citizens of Earth? E, Second in Tactical Command? Or F, Right Hand Man with the Master Plan? Wow, this is I a, love this is an actual them. game release. I haven't heard of this. Yeah, I played I think, it. Is it? I guess the G- Dick Cheney one. <laughs> the Dick one. The Dick. Dick. Uh, Dick. 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 I mean, I'm gonna have to choose one that doesn't have an actual person's name in it. That citizen. Yeah. Citizens of Earth. Is that the one? I might get by on a parody. Second in tactical command. Well, doesn't wasn't there another name. one that was like something, something of Earth? Citizens right of Hand Man with the Master Plan doesn't have a name, and Citizens of Earth. Uh, and Rated I, R for Gore. Could you are inferring Al Gore? I am inferring Gore. Yes. Um, I'm going to say Citizens of Earth because it's the only one that sounds like a real game title, and because I feel like we played that at <laughs> E3. Blue. So twofold. Um, I, I, like I said, I think I'll I'll go with uh, Dick Cheney's... <laughs> Shotgun, shotgun, kill your friends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah wh- whatever that one is. And, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not worried about the name Dick Cheney being in there Dick because, Hunt? I mean, let's face it, let's oh, face yeah. it, uh, Barack Obama and uh, Hillary Clinton were DLC for Mercenaries too. I mean, <laughs> it was, wasn't it? No. Uh, was it Hillary Clinton? Or I thought it was Sarah Palin. It was Sarah Palin. Oh, 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 crap. That's right. It was Sarah Palin. Right. I didn't know. I didn't buy it. I didn't buy the DLC. Correct answer because she played it. Citizens of Earth. Yeah. yeah. That game was a lot of fun, as I recall, right? You kind of don't remember playing it. No, you don't <laughs> yeah. remember playing That was no, the one where it was really. No, I do. Pick- it was before oh, okay. the, the pinball one. Right yeah. Before the pinball one. Yeah. But we liked that. I remember we talked about it and we liked the drawing style and everyone yeah. was kind of cute. Yeah. It, was it was sort of funny cool. and. Yeah. Definitely cool. Not much hype on it, so hopefully that will pick up. Number five, indie title "A Bird Story" is a simple, surreal short about a bird, about a boy and a bird with a broken wing. What's notable about this title? A, it's a story based. No one game. gives a shit. Oh, Jesus, good. man, this is. A, <laughs> it's a story based game with almost no dialogue. B, its entire narrative is built upon a collection of crowdsourced ideas. C. Players are alerted to danger by a change in key in the soundtrack. Or D, gamers have to listen and differentiate between the different sounds emitted by real birds that express threat, happiness, a change in weather, and the coup to beckon a potential mating partner. Okay, I'm pretty sure this is that game where you date pigeons, right? No, that's... You can't ask ask the host the questions. No questions. (laughs) Uh, uh, I'm going to say you have to listen to the key or the tones, the second to last answer. 
Okay. I think uh, the one you, it uses real birds, I think, was it D? I feel like scientists don't know exactly all of the things that birds are saying, so that's the reason I didn't pick that one. <sighs> this is this is tricky. Robert, don't kill me, but say them again. No dialogue. Uh, narrative built on crowdsourced ideas, uh, key changes in the soundtrack, or uh, r- sounds, different sounds emitted by real birds. And it's which one is it? Which one is I really, I really want it to don't be. Well. I really, no, I don't. I really want it to be key changes in the in the music because that would be so cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to say that just because I want it to be that. Although I, if it's the bird thing, I won't be surprised. Correct answer. Now, now I feel like I've let the developers down. It's actually <laughs> it's a story based game with almost no dialogue. Shit. <laughs> I, feel like, I mean, that's kind of cool. Well, right? that is, that's cool. Yeah, that's cool. Not as cool as real birds. Sounds like that's they need right, the crowds to force your ideas. I want real birds. In my game. <laughs>